0: Hello, welcome back to Project 99, it is June 11th, 2020, and we are back. We actually um, missed some time, we recorded an episode about everything going on, the whole George Floyd thing, but um, decided to hold off on it for a little bit, just let some other voices be heard, and then, I think what we covered is important information, but I just think I'm going to wait a little while to upload it. Um, But we do have some special guests today to talk about. Whatever comes up I guess. We have Jermaine and Ron if you guys want to uh introduce yourselves.
1: Hello everybody. Hey how y'all doing
0: <laughs> And then we have Mick. Of course. As usual.
2: The co-pilot.
0: The co-pilot, work. yeah. So um I guess just to start out, I'll ask you guys a little bit about like what you do for work or what I mean, whatever you want to tell us about yourselves, whatever you're comfortable with.
1: So I work with uh juveniles uh, mostly youth at risk and in crisis i do uh, counseling and i've been a counselor for about
3: eight years
0: wow okay all
3: right i am the cultural diversity and community outreach director for the Wheeling wca it's a huge (laughs) title yeah
0: that is a big and it's
3: uh it's really difficult to describe all the stuff that i get to do but uh i just tell folks the why lets me do really cool things yeah like uh look for marginalized groups or demographics that don't get much attention and try to have events or or do some sort of a training that, that highlights them showcase them. anything like that they just it's they just a cool the organization was, man. they
2: knew on youtube for was there a video about the different uh, yeah competition it was a competition for some money to revitalize wheeling Is that yeah what it
3: was? yeah they were doing the Extreme home or extreme city makeover. Mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. what it was called. Yeah. So Maybe we paired up with the folks things, yeah. at um, Willing Heritage and we made our pitch to see if they would do something yeah, for Yeah, somebody sent
2: me a link to it. It was a good video. Oh, thanks. So if man, you guys thanks. get a chance, go and look that up on, uh, right. on YouTube.
3: Now, I got worried because there are other videos. I do these presentations <laughs> oh, sometimes oh, yeah. and uh, every now and again, the folks at the presentations will record it and just put it on YouTube. YouTube, right. And they didn't even ask me. Oh. So uh, I'm just looking crazy because they're like holding it with their <laughs> phone and I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm like, oh,
2: come on. Not guys. professional quality. yeah. Right. But that cool. one's really good, though. The Wheeling Heritage one is a really good one. Because hey. I thought it really showed, you know, people who drive through Wheeling and they just, you don't see that stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So it's good that it, somebody highlighted it.
0: Yeah. So, I yeah, I actually just read an article on, I think it was Wheelunk, which I feel like everybody in the Valley reads. It's like. It's just, this is new to me. We look is new to me. I've like mm-hmm. never really heard about it, it, but it they wrote an article about you, and they were talking about. Um, um, the speech you give—that's like six things oh, yeah. that white six people should know. Six things every white person should
3: yeah, know. Yeah, so I want to
2: know what this is. Yeah, I'm we're like, dying. I'm oh, dying to hear what it is.
0: Because I read the article, but then it like mentions a couple things, but there's not six things. So I'm like, this clearly that's isn't. That's because, six because
3: things? I told them
0: copyright. You yeah.
3: cannot put the six <laughs> things because you have to get the training in order to hear the. six
2: things. Oh, okay. Things. So okay, well, you don't, oh, we, you, us, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell us. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't want to. You can just tell us one thing if you want.
0: Yeah.
3: What. Just well you can right.
0: if you want to but we if won't you make to. you give it all away if you don't want to so
3: um one of the six things i think are um ebonics are a slippery slope and we elaborate because there are folks who like to dabble in ebonics because they feel like it's this bridge to a culture or my way to reach out to you but i'm more of a, a believer that it's like normalized slang more Mm-hmm. So I don't treat it like it's a language mm-hmm. or some way that I can reach out to another person. Mm-hmm. No. I'm, not even, know interesting I'm not
0: even sure I know what Ebonics is. Can you explain that's that it to me? It's
3: just slang that people slang. think. They think that some fo- folks in urban areas have been there so long, they're so urbanized, that they use slang so much that you need to learn to use it just to communicate with them. Oh. And uh, so uh. they were calling it Ebonics. It was like oh. this hot uh, buzzword like for a while. Yeah. It
0: reminds me of... Uh, the movie, what is it, Airplane? Yes. Or something, where exactly. the
4: Humpkin Dodge is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's, okay.
2: that's funny. Yeah, that's kind funny. Of Noam Chomsky actually did a lecture about that because he's a linguist. And he was talking about how in societies as language develops, there's always like the upper crust language, the proper speech, no Mm -hmm. matter where you're at. And so they use that to distinguish like who's one of the upper class and lower class. Uh, So he said like, if you look at the structure of language, a lot of times the way little kids will say her goad, like uh to the store, is actually structurally more correct. It follows the rule that you set up in English. That's why little kids make that mistake consistently is because they're actually following the consistently what they're taking in like okay well you always do this when you do that and they learn that but they make these mistakes because the mistakes are actually an anomaly right so why do we do that why do we have these anomalies in language that actually don't make sense and he says that that's because we want to know who's the proper speakers of the language and who aren't so there's that you know one more thing we find out there's like a disparity in who's who's who, right.
3: right. And how you talk?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, Everybody and you makes got... fun of me for the words yeah. I say. They always be like, "Oh, you're you're definitely from Marshall County," because I say things like <laughs> "aint' and y'all." I try really hard not to, but you get me in a room, my brother, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's bad. I sound like straight out hick. It's bad." Mm-hmm. But anyway, so to do you have uh, any the, any of the things we wrote down that we want to talk All about? Right. I think I have some of them here, but we want to ask you guys some questions because. I think one of the most, so with all the stuff going on right now, um, the, one of the things that we're told the most, just as like white people is like, you need to listen to black people, right? About all the shit that's happening, all this George Floyd stuff, which we kind of talked about like, why was it this one incident? Because I can remember years and years ago, you telling me about the Kendrick Johnson case, which was kind of the, the, one of the ones that I just like. You know, woke up and was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what what is this? You know? And um because we are. We're in West Virginia and it's like predominantly white and it's like I feel like I was kind of had blinders on, didn't realize all this shit going on. So that was one of the ones, but um, you know, they they tell you to listen to black people or people of color about these types of issues. So when we recorded the George Floyd episode, after it was over, I just kinda felt like like, who the fuck am I? Like, I'm a 25-year-old white girl. Like, what do I know about what's going on in this situation? Like, of course, I have my own opinions, but, like, I just felt like there was more important voices with more experience that could be heard right now about this. So I didn't upload it, but then I was like, I'd like to have some people who are willing to talk about it um, on the podcast mm-hmm. to just talk about it, you know? And I, I saw recently, they did a panel. Uh, it was, like, the mayor and the chief of police and uh, a couple of reverends and um, the president of the NAACP um, which I did, I emailed them, but they, they, they haven't gotten back to me yet. Cause I'm, I'm assuming they're probably really busy during this time. Um, but they did this whole panel and I was like, okay, this is like, good. This is good that people are doing this. Right. And I'm like, I want to do something like that. So I got on Jermaine and he was like, oh yeah, Ron Scott will come with me. And I'm like, cool. Okay. So I feel like we want to, um, go over some different topics and questions that we had and however you guys want to answer them. You know, okay. we'll take it and maybe right. we can learn something if that's cool with you.
1: You mentioned what's different about this time compared to other times.
0: Yeah, and this video
1: is probably more egregious than most of the other videos we've seen. But I think I've seen videos of the last year, the years that are just as bad, right? And the difference this time is there's no distractions. There's no movies, uh, celebrity gossip, no NBA, football, because MLB because of, of COVID. There's nothing. This is the main story. There's no. There's no looking away from the mirror. America has to look in the mirror now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have to face it because there's
3: nothing to look at anymore besides mm-hmm. this. And that was the most legit mm-hmm. explanation that I've heard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because it's been really rattling around in my head. Like, why is this the one mm-hmm. that seems like folks are waking up to? And when he told me that, it's just because there's nothing else for anyone to and see. And don't you
2: think that there's a lot of in these scenarios, like get out of jail free cards, as far as the analysis that happens afterwards, the explaining that goes on about... Well, the officer's adrenaline was up. And so, mm-hmm. like the Philando Castro case, which we covered in that last episode, was you know, the officer comes up to the car and he said, he tells him straight out that he has a firearm, he has a legal firearm. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then the officer says, don't reach for it. And the rest of the whole scenario that plays out is the officer is obviously scared to death and shoots him. Mm-hmm. Like, as a person, that's going to pull a gun on you going to tell you they have it <laughs> so obviously that was a case of just amped up just got out of control and like a lot of these cases you see where someone disrespects the officer and he goes off there's like a something that happens that is always the reason that happened and when you mm-hmm. see this video there's no explanation the officer has his hands in his pockets, so that i was afraid for my life right is not there yeah like none of those he was in hot pursuit, so his adrenaline was but up. But the there's bullshit's nothing. already coming
0: up, though, because people are already digging up George Floyd's past, and it's like, what? I don't know why the fuck well, that matters now, but <laughs> but they are. They're trying to do it. I just, I've, honestly, I feel like there's 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 two types of people on the opposite end of that because you know you have the people that are like, this is clearly wrong, and then on the opposite end where people want to argue it. There's people who you know they they're like trying to get the full story. Maybe they just don't know yet. And then there are just the people who just find anything to justify it because they're fucking racist. I mean, I mean, that's just or they're just okay with police murdering people one or the other. I mean,
1: I also think this has kind of been like the pinnacle of years and years of anger and mistrust of the government and uh, the agents of the government and the police. Uh, I think that riots don't there are riots aren't caused by one thing. They're triggered by one thing. Right. And this just triggered years of build-up anger, not only in the black community, but in all communities, especially all middle-class and lower-class communities. Um, that's why you see people of all different backgrounds in the streets right now. On the front is George Floyd, but deep down, it's so, so many things that's causing this this upheaval right now. Oh, rightfully when, so though
0: when these things when these riots first started i i called nick and i was like so class warfare like is this what is this is what this <laughs> is going to turn into like i don't know we'll see but i i don't as far as the, i mean what do you what is your guys's opinion on the rioting do you think that it is do you think it's necessary to get the message out do you think it's do you think it's uh, a good idea a bad idea what do you think
3: i don't have a Well, it's it's a tough one for me because I know in my head, let's say George Floyd was from here and this happened in Wheeling, I would be tearing something up with someone. Uh, I don't necessarily know about the looting part, but uh, I I know I would be tearing something up. And I do understand everywhere that they riot in association with these events, Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, I would never want to recreate that. Like I don't think it's our job to riot here because they're rioting in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I get that. I get the reaction that people have when they want to tear something up because you just feel so powerless, so frustrated. You just want to to just get it out there in some way. So right. I get it. But I don't know if I'm like, uh, I don't think that they're necessary, like that they have to happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, where's the riot at? Right, yeah. Right.
1: I think they're, uh, <clears throat> you know, accidentally effective, you know. The riders don't know what they're doing out there. I think it's a primal instinct to ride. You know, mm-hmm. I like compare it to a bar fight. If you've ever been about, if you've ever been around a bar fight, things just um, set off, and people aren't thinking, and things are getting thrown, and people are punching people, and it's madness. Um, so the riders aren't cognitive, cognitive of what they're doing. But historically speaking, cities will go out of their way to make sure it doesn't happen again. They will do their best to make sure what caused that ride. Won't happen in this city or the next Mm -hmm. city, and so forth. Mm -hmm. A riot's a very expensive lesson that no city wants to learn, Mm -hmm. and no city wants to repeat. So historically, we've seen major changes after riots. Mm -hmm. So while I can't, you know, relate with a rioter because I've never rioted, I can't say I'm that saddened that it happened.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, personally, things will happen
1: like change will happen
0: right yeah i mean i feel like it does serve a purpose and when this all started happening at the very beginning i was like hell yeah like absolutely this is Mm -hmm. what happens when you Mm -hmm. silence people you know what i mean like this is what happens but i started doing some research on how effective they are and one of the things that i learned was that when riots started happening in the 60s that they showed a correlation with laws that they made after that happened Mm -hmm that disproportionately affected black people. So the rates of people being arrested skyrocketed after that. And that was basically their solution to, you know, civil mm-hmm. unrest riots was just, well, just arrest all the black people for crimes, you know, for this right. and that and the other. We'll just make laws to put them all in jail. Yeah. And so cool. it's like, while I think riots do serve a purpose that would be good, I don't want to see something like that happen. Like back like, right, like in L.A., like, like Daryl yeah.
2: Gates, who people remembered, like, after the Rodney King situation. Mm-hmm. Daryl Gates' history in the police goes way, way back. And the development of the SWAT team was his counter reaction to the Watts riots because he said, like, this, the Watts riots was out of control. We couldn't get control of like it. We need them to, to do, amp up and become more militarized. They're willing right. to do so, anything except the right thing.
0: You know what right. I mean?
2: Like, yeah. Yeah. So, to maintain, like, the power structure. And, like, when we were talking <laughs> about the, the rioting last, or last episode, you know, I feel like, if I was in that community and you had this in your face every time it happens that your life doesn't have value, Mm -hmm. right? Because when the Ferguson riots happened, I was kind of on the side of the fence that, well, two wrongs don't make a right. So if you're in there burning and looting, like you're committing crime too. So how does that bring light? It's like a distraction from what you're trying to bring light to. But this time around, I feel like I've come to a different place where I'm like, Like he was saying, if you cause a lot of damage and it costs a monetary amount to people, even though you can't put a cost on a human life, it's like you want to exact something.
1: Yeah, two things America knows is violence and
4: money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If
0: you, they, they, America has no morals. They don't care if someone died, but if you hit them where it hurts in the pockets, then they listen. I mean, and that's what I try to Mm -hmm. explain to people through this whole thing. But. Um, So the other thing that I know Mick was um, talking about the other day, I try to bring it up here in my notes, but I wanted to ask, um, how much do you think that the cancel culture and political correctness is inhibiting uh, conversations like this? Like people are afraid to even have these conversations because they're afraid they'll be labeled like racist or I mean, because, uh, you know, but a lot of the times I see online when people get into these conversations, it's other white people calling them racists. You know what I mean, like so. But I wonder how much of that inhibits even having a conversation with people.
3: I think it's different right now, though, because if you were to ask me this before that happened, I would think it would be more of a of a weight on some people, so they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to come off some way. But now, since there's like this clear line in the sand that's written, mm-hmm. folks are willing to jump out mm-hmm. and say, mm-hmm. "This is how I feel about this," or to even talk about it in a way that they want to learn. Because right. before, it seemed like you just didn't even want to go there. Because mm-hmm. if I had said the wrong thing, I'm labeled this for life. And mm-hmm. no, we saw a police officer murder a man. So I right. know if I say the wrong thing, I'm not that bad. You can't lump me in with them.
0: Right.
1: Right. I, I worry about um, certain entities going too far and doing things proactively that nobody asked for. And it kind of makes the rest of the conversation and movement look silly. Like the cancellation of cops. Nobody was asking for cops to be canceled. Or the uh, Dukes of Hazard thing a few years back. <laughs> that, re- uh, that really uh, um, belittles the real argument that we're having. Uh-huh. Nobody from Black Lives Matter or the left called for the cancellation of these things. Nobody asked for NASCAR to take away the Confederate flag. That was on NASCAR. So when the argument goes to, oh, my goodness, they're taking away my flag and my race, it causes this whole distraction from the real issue that we have.
0: I feel
2: like they do that on purpose. And it makes
1: obviously. Yeah, it makes our cause seem a little sillier.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: But I do think, too, that um, white people are starting to figure out <clears throat> that, you know, way back, like in the 1600s, there were intermarriage between blacks and whites. So there was similar treatment under the law. And then at some point when, you know, indentured servants who came here, uh, white and black, would serve their time out in their indentured servitude and they'd become free persons with all the same rights, okay? But then the indentured servant, people stopped signing up to come here. For some reason it slowed down. And then um, the landowners started to unfairly extend the time of service to keep the workers and they were like punishing them like with a couple of extra year service for some BS stuff. And it caused them to have a revolt. And then after that period of time is when you start to see white people defined as white. Before that they were like, Whatever country you came from, your nationality is how you were defined. But after the workers got together and revolted against the landowners, they were like, oh shit, we can't have this stuff. We can't have people working <laughs> together. So that's when they started to create like separate laws for white people and black people. And it was like, white people can be accepted into like lower class white people. You can work your way up. You can become one of us, like the upper right. class, but not black people. And they like divided us. And like the more that people learn about history and see the absolute lies that, like, we as white people have been told about our own history. Like, we were talking about what we learned in school. Oh, yeah. I don't know
0: if the educational system is as bad everywhere in this country as it is <laughs> in West Virginia, but I was telling her that during Black History Month, literally the only people we learned about was Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. That was it. They didn't tell us about Jim Crow laws. They didn't tell us about, you know, the fact that in 1875, we were like, all right, civil rights. But then they never taught us about Plessy versus Ferguson. They never taught us about Brown versus Board of Education. Nothing. They didn't teach you any
2: of that. It was I had like, to teach all that stuff to myself school after once, school. Yeah. Once, once uh, you know, slavery was abolished, hey, everything was great. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. And then, especially in West Virginia, they talk about, like, oh, praise the white people because Underground Railroads and people in West Virginia yeah, helped. We like, that's, they great. just want to focus it all around, like, <laughs> well, what did the white people do good? <laughs> Which is total bullshit. I mean, it's, it wasn't, in college, too, uh, my friend Duran wrote a whole article about, like, why Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit, basically. So she, like, read it to me, and I was like, dude, that's, like, not anything that we learned in school. And she's like, yeah, I know, right? Like. It's fucking ridiculous.
1: (laughs) I think the uh, smallest thing that I realized as an adult that it seems small, but it's huge when you think about it, was I didn't learn that Rosa Parks was in the black section of the bus until I was in my 30s. And that's a small detail that has huge ramifications. Mm -hmm. She wasn't breaking the law of being in front of the bus. The law was if a white man wanted your seat you had to get up no matter where you were sitting Mm -hmm. and that makes it seem so much worse and it kind of shows what the laws were like in the south how bad they were and that gets gets skimmed over so much in the school system I don't know if it's because it's uncomfortable or or what it is but that shows Jim Crow at its realest that you Mm -hmm. were less than them we didn't have this separate
3: but equal Separate, separate but equal was a myth you weren't as good as he is Mm-hmm. Right, And mm-hmm. I think you're right that it's uncomfortable because when I was working up at the school, they were like, you know, I'm the black guy in the building. So they are like, yeah, you want to be in charge of Black History Month stuff? Mm-hmm. So I said, no problem. I found a nice little batch of movies. And I think they were assuming it was just going to be like Selma and Men of Honor, all this uplifting. You made it, black people. And uh, I showed the Emmett Till story.
4: Oh, man. And
3: uh, I, it, it didn't go well. And it's strange because it just so happened that day, a fight happened, and they were like, This is why. Of
4: course.
3: Oh my so they were like, You know, we can't, uh, you know, just, just keep it to what it was. Oh my like, don't God. keep throwing new extra serious? stuff at it. Have you ever seen and Rosewood? It was crazy. What
1: is have it you ever seen Rosewood? I haven't. Oh, it's
3: so. John Singleton.
1: I saw it when I was in fourth grade. Oh I yeah, watched a lot of crazy movies as a kid. John Singleton movie about the uh, Rosewood race riots in 1900, roughly? Yeah. And they pretty much burned down this black town in Florida. And uh, I recommend it to anybody. It's a really jarring yeah. <laughs> and uh, rough movie to watch. It's probably the most realistic scene of a lynching I've ever seen in on in, in film.
0: Man, I, I just recently, because I, like I told her, I mean... There was so much they didn't teach me in school and even in college I just took a history class that covered the period of slavery and yet they did not talk about it at all. Not a peep in this book. Not not a peep. They did not say a single thing about it. Nothing. Just talked about like uh, the buildings of different industrial revolutions blah 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 blah, Mm -hmm. like this and that. Not a hint. Not nothing about slavery. Mm -hmm. Not a peep. Okay. I was watching this video on YouTube the other day because I was like, well, I know what Jim Crow's laws are, but I don't know where that comes from. So I watched this like hour long YouTube video and they were talking about this and that and the guy narrating the video mentioned, um, Woody Guthrie writing this song about Isaac Woodard and I had never heard of him before. And it was this man, this black man who uh, served in the military got an honorable discharge and he was on his way home. He got. He was in South Carolina. He tried to take a bus to North Carolina to be back with his family, and uh, basically the bus driver didn't like him, so pulled over and called the cops and was like, "Yeah, this black guy's mouthing off to me." So they came and the sheriff in South Carolina and his buddies beat this guy so badly that he went blind. They gouged his eyes out. Oh so this Woody Guthrie wrote a song about it, and um, they did a bunch of broadcasts about it. They brought a lot of a lot of people brought attention to it. So the president was like. They have to be charged in federal court. He was a serviceman. He was in uniform. It happened on a federal bus. Stopped, this is They're going to be tried. But they tried him in federal court in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So black people weren't allowed to serve on the jury. So it was all white men. And they let the guys go. And the fact... I just learned about this story of Isaac Woodard. Um, and I was like, this is so relevant to what's happening right now. Because here we are still letting police just kill black people. And... <laughs> Nothing is being done. Nothing. I mean, it was, it was just a crazy story because I'm like, why didn't they show me this in mm-hmm. history class? I
1: think the whole history of uh, black injustice and in the legal system has been kind of glossed over. I didn't realize how bad the 13th Amendment was until a few years back. Yeah. About how um, charges were trumped up so sheriffs could make a profit throughout the South. Um, things like trespassing people would get years, black men would get years just so they could work in the coal mine yeah. or in the fields. One thing, I remember we went to uh, the uh, Milesville Penitentiary, the old Milesville Penitentiary, and they have a list of all the executions on the wall. And I didn't realize that rape was a um, capital punishment crime before 1930. It seems like it was only a capital punishment crime if you were black Mm. because 13 out of 15 guys on there were black. Now, (laughs) either no white men were (laughs) raping people back then or they just weren't... um, Sentence to death death word. And that was jarring to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, not not heard. defending I, rapists or anything. I've taken, right. that, that's I've just, taken that tour. Yeah. I mean, that's just not an equal, that's not equal punishment in the law. We still see that to this day. Absolutely. Where uh, black men are always treated more harshly by the criminal justice system, either in the courts or on the streets. Yeah, it's absolutely.
0: proven that black men will get more time than white men mm-hmm. for committing the, same, the same, crime same crime with the same right. background.
2: Now, like, if you're raised in a very white area, all of these, and we were talking about this, how, like, all of these biases and prejudices that you're raised around, that what you're taught in school, it's, like, all becomes part of, like, your theory of the world, okay? So, when I first went to college for criminal justice, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is what white people say. Well, the reason there's more black people in jail is because they commit more crime. Because people aren't just getting snatched off the street, thrown in jail, right? There's a jury, there's a trial, they got a defense attorney, there's a judge. So if someone ends up in jail, it's because they, they're they guilty, right? And so I go to college, and thankfully, West Virginia Northern West Liberty College did a very good job of explaining how every step of the way from whether you even get stopped How you get treated on the stop, how your responses on the stop are interpreted. And, you know, then you get to jail, how you're treated in jail, whether you, you know, are allowed to bond out. Like every single step is so biased that it's like impossible to say it's in in any way, shape or fair. You know, so I will say that at least my experience there in in going through the criminal justice program did get that into me that. You know, and they would say if you become a police officer after you graduate this class, if you are going to pull somebody over, make up your mind what you're going to do as a result of like somebody's got, you know, uh, a speeding ticket or whatever. Make up your mind what you're going to do before you get out and stick to that. So if somebody gets a little bit lippy or whatever, don't get mad and be like, well, now I'm going to up this, you know, be consistent with your own. Because police officers have a lot of discretion with what they do. Right. Let's face it. Lovely it's you way. and them on the side of the road. Right. They could let you go. Well, see,
0: this is one point I wanted to bring up, too, because I watched this panel that they did in Wheeling, some of the clergy and the president of the West Virginia uh, NAACP and the chief of police and Wheeling and the mayor. And... One of the things that they brought up like really bothered me and I've been asking some of the attorneys at work about it because I'm like this is my new mission now to figure out who's fucking bullshitting because um, one of the clergy asked the chief of police what happens to complaints you know basically and are they all investigated in house and chief of police blah 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 you know he's like well we've only had one fatal shooting and that is investigated outside and it was the guy that shot up the federal building um, but basically bullshitted around his question, and the answer is no. They don't have anybody doing the checks and balances between them. That's any external investigation. And then Mayor Elliott went on to back it up and be like, oh, well, yeah, we don't know if that's necessarily legal. We've had attorneys look at it, and we don't know if we can have a citizen's review board and this and that. And then the president of the NAACP was like, well, we've had attorneys look at it too. And I'm like, okay, so this is my mission now. Because mm-hmm. which which one is right? Because if it's legal... That should absolutely be a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are checks and balances, dude. When they came to shut off my water and my bill was paid in advance, I called the commission's utility and was like, Yay, hey, this is fucked up." And they were like, "You're right. <laughs> checks and balances." And I'm like, "You're telling me the fucking water department has that, but the cops right. don't?" And I think I'm the what defund the, fuck the is police that?
2: the defund the police movement has been like completely just blown. Well, yeah. Okay. Hearts. So
0: wait, let me ask yeah. you that, which was my other note here. Um, as far as defund disband or reform what do you guys think as far as the police go
1: i just haven't seen an argument yet that shows me what that looks like i've seen some catchphrases of course i haven't looked into it as much as i probably should have i've seen it posted a lot and a lot of people say it i'm not sure exactly how that looks like in practice you know i could see um, reforming cutting back on some funding to put money in other places but the whole just saying defund the police I think it kind of uh, feeds
3: into uh, um, middle America's fear of the left. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like one of those pendulum swings in the exact opposite way. I just mm-hmm. I couldn't go that far, and I would be reform if anything, because I know that you can you can find people, you can put into practices, you can implement training, you can do things that make it a system that creates a type of police officer. You can mm-hmm. totally change this whole thing. You It, it can be done. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. But I think it can be done. So that the idea to just get rid of the whole
4: thing. That's a good much. point,
0: too, that you said it's not going to be cheap, because when people say defund the police, I'm like, I'm absolutely, I'm listening and I'm hearing you. But one thing I know and everything that I've known in politics is that if you want something to be better, you don't cut the funding. Right. Well, so but here's the, like, here's the problem, though. But listen, it's like I, I think part of the problem, too, is that so many bad cops, quote unquote, remain on the force. Because they don't have anybody to replace them with. So it's like if they paid them better and required more training, maybe they could have a decent system. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. But I, I'm willing to listen to all arguments. But I think I'm kind of back and forth on the, When they say disband the police, I've heard it say disband it as we know it and rebuild something better. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I like that idea. But then I hear from other sides where they're like, no, no police, no more police, period. And I'm like, that, that can't really be a real idea.
2: Well, I think the I reason mean, that this whole star- thing started was because this happened in Minneapolis. And the mayor of Minneapolis, uh, Mayor Frey, has been... Jacob Jacob, Jacob Frey, Frey yeah. has been, for years, fighting to hold officers accountable for misconduct. Yeah, he's, misconduct. Like against, uh, police unions and shit. Well, it's not that he's against the police union. What he's against is the fact that they, they will discipline an officer who's done something wrong, and the police union goes and fights to get their job back, to get it expunged out of the record, right. to basically... So basically the mayor is in charge of the police, but not really. Yeah. Like he has no power. So how can you have a system where you say, well, we're going to discipline people, but tomorrow it's going to all be wiped away. They're going to have their job back. And so they got a few days off of pay. Like that was was the one thing that that... got
0: me when they like booed him out of the crowd when he said he wouldn't. So I think the
2: defunding movement really comes out of, it's kind of like when, you know, we're in a war, the president wants to go to war. Congress holds the purse strings on funding that war. So the people, if the people want a war to end, we could vote into Congress and say, we're done. We don't want a war. And Congress can defund it. And whether the president wants to be in a war, he doesn't solely get to decide to keep us uh-huh. in a war. So that's kind of where the defund the police thing, I feel like, is at. Because they're trying to figure out some way to, to wrest power from the police unions. You know what I mean? How do you have accountability when they want to keep everything a secret? Yeah. Like I was telling her, like there should be a completely independent way for uh, office where people can go report police abuse so So we can track it because if you know some guy over here comes in and says well you know officer so-and-so like did this to me or whatever and we make a record of that so then another person comes like two months later and reports the same. Are these two in a conspiracy together? Because how did this, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, well that's the one thing on somebody that Somebody else that needs to be looking me. at this besides
0: the internal when police they, department. When they asked the chief of police on that panel, like, how can we make one of these reports? He's like, well, you can contact the desk sergeant or you can talk to me. And I'm like, so if you choose not to report it, that's just with you. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear out of his mouth. Is that, oh, you can just call me or you can talk to me or you can talk to the desk. So if they're just like, "Mm, yeah, I got your complaint and hang up. We don't ever know if they do anything about it. I mean, and
2: maybe willing is legitimate, but I'm just saying like in a place where you have a problem, just letting them police themselves is not not the answer.
0: So let me ask you that too, is that, um, first of all, do you support, do you, I mean, what is your idea? Do you think a citizen's review board is a good idea? And the second question, optional answer, um, how do you think Wheeling pd rates do you think they're good do you think they're do you think they're doing enough
1: i think they're pretty good for this area i can't really compare it to outside the valley i haven't spent too much time living outside the valley i've visited a lot of places but i've had issues with police departments around the valley in other towns
3: and uh compare those towns uh, Wheeling pd seems to do uh, pretty well oh yeah especially i don't know if it's come, if it's with age now that it just seems so much better to me than it used to but they've—I'd give them a pretty high rating. Rating only because uh, I kind of see it through my lens, though. So <laughs> I'm kind of looking like you know what—they're not trying. to... I didn't get shot. Yeah, uh, Patricia said it one himself. time. Like I own property now, man. I—I <laughs> mean, the police get along okay now. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. when when they did that protest and the, the impromptu march that was not a part of it just broke out. The police. Cleared the way in the streets. They didn't have to. They could have been like the same part of it. Go home.
4: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Those kind of things are things that makes me think. All right, because that was a protest in essence of the police and what the police have right. been doing. Right. So those things give me a whole lot of hope. But and I and not
2: necessarily here either. Right. Like, right. We didn't go over to it. We had like a big discussion because we're like we feel like we should go for the national level of support mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if we feel like our police we haven't had a problem with them it's like going in front of their building is almost like an accusation on them right like how am i supposed to stand in front of cops that i know that i i legitimately I mean, don't think I, are a i think are like,
0: good people and be like fuck you like you know what i mean like
3: <laughs> that's why when we started the, the first i got the, the luck of being able to talk first and i wanted to make sure that uh, that tone was set so that the police and the the administration, because the mayor was there, like the people that were there, know that it's a symbol that you're here with us because we're showing solidarity with the people across the country. You're showing solidarity with us just being out here and Mm -hmm. we all acknowledge that there's a problem. And you being out here and him clearing the lanes for us and when he blocked the whole street off, because we're we're only supposed to stay on the sidewalk. So he blocks the street off, the chief comes out and does that. Mm -hmm. It lets us know in a way that You don't want this to happen here either yeah. right. And exactly. that's the kind of buy-in that I dig. why well, they get a higher rating than when I was a young man and the police were a Little bit different.
1: I think they played that day really well though. Unlike other cities uh, They they hit all the police cars and there was no police officers to be seen yeah. Now out of sight out of mind nothing to focus your energy on your anger on now If they would have lined up 50 cops at the end of the street in right. ride gear and yeah. SWAT gear that thing would have been totally different. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that, that show in force, I think the whole night would have been totally different. And they played really well. And I think other cities could have uh, maybe learned a lesson from Wellington police department. Yeah. Now, I have no doubt they were inside the precinct, you know, suited up, ready to go. Already if something yeah. would have happened, yeah. But out of sight, out of mind. And Smart. everybody was relaxed and felt good about that, that night. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: All right, so another thing I wanted to ask you guys that um, I see a lot of different opinions on on social media, which unfortunately is where I get a lot of my information from because like we were just discussing, West Virginia is pretty white. So I don't know a lot of black people. I really don't. I mean, I always say that I was raised in a really unique way because um, we were raised in an environment of a lot of gay people and a lot of black people. I mean, which so when I went through school... Uh, meeting people who were raised in racist environments were really strange for me because I just wasn't like raised that we were raised around a, a pretty diverse group. So that was like weird to me. Um, but so reading online and all these different things, what what do you what is the proper term when you refer to black people because we have, we've always just said black people, but it is people of color or African American. I mean, is there a proper term? Is there a wrong term?
3: <laughs> there's some there's some wrong turns. they're all wrong <laughs> I'm, a fan of, I'm, I'm a I'm a black guy by myself I'm a yeah. fan of black I black. like it like the connotation I love the whole thing surrounding it but I know there are folks that you know they need to hear that African- American to know that you are tightening it up and you're not trying to let weird things slip and uh I know that those two seem like they're the preferred but i'm I'm black guy all the way but i uh, I
1: reject the term African American. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yeah, there's very
1: little like African in, in in Black American culture. I think Black American culture is one of the most unique cultures in the world, one of the most influential cultures in the world. Yeah, yeah. So I just like to go by a Black American. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, that was one of the things too, because I mean I know as these DNA tests come out and a lot of people do these different DNA tests that they find that like their heritage is from all over, and it's like when you say African American, it sounds like you have one parent that was American, one parent that was from it's Africa, African. and it's like that's. It's not. I mean, yeah, I, you know I always I mean? did think
2: that was kind of weird. Like, I think people of colors, like that's why you know, if I'm speaking somewhere, like, like it's not like a um, relaxed area. Like I would say people of color because, I mean, a lot of issues faced are faced by people of lots of different shades. Right. That's right? true. That so is true. So I kind of it depends on the context. But I I, I get I agree with, I agree with her that African American is kind of just. I don't know where it came from or why they decided to start designated. It design, sounds more but. proper.
3: Yeah. And I think, yeah. it and I think people wanted a connection to something mm-hmm. because you don't really feel like there is a culture that is yours. You just feel like you're just mm-hmm. kind of, I was a slave and now I'm a guy you tolerate. So they wanted to be, I think they wanted a connection to something. So mm-hmm. it's Africa, even though the connection is so thin nowadays. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about. The thing about Africa is, I mean, most Americans think Africa is
1: a country and that a continent, one of the biggest continents in the world, Um, like four times the size of Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, We just think Africans are all one monolith. (laughs) If you think about all the different regions (laughs) and cultures in Europe, Africa is about three times that. So a South African, a Somali, and and somebody from Sudan are totally Totally different different culture-wise, food-wise, religion, all that stuff. But when Ebola hit, and the the president at the time was like, Shut off, travel to Africa. Just Shut it all down. Not realizing how big <laughs> yeah. Africa is and how much trade we do with Africa and how Africa isn't is just a small hut in the, in the middle of the jungle. He's like, what is it, like four or five flights? You yeah, about it? Uh, that's, that's the conception a lot of Americans have of Africa.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I've done a lot of genealogical research on my family and you go through these records and you see, like, you know, you can find these connections going like so far back, and um, you know, I, I thought about that when I was doing this research that how because we thought we thought we had Native American in our family, and it turned out to be like so bullshit. Yeah. So I kind of <laughs> like feel sorry people. for Elizabeth Warren because I think she's lied about a lot of stuff, but like that, she legitimately might have been told by her family that she <laughs> had Native American, and then found out she didn't. Well, here's a That's here's a tip in the black um, community. To Don't think they have Native American and find is, out. It's a
1: lot more romantic than saying that my grandmother was a love child to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody who's Swedish. And that's the reason she had, you know. Right. You got Indian in your Yeah. She has, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why she has long, straight hair. <laughs> and, and I can figure out living. my family
2: because they're kind of racist. And I'm like, why are they all so happy that they have Native? I I didn't make that connection because, like, Native Americans were, like, <laughs> treated horribly as well. Like, a lot of racist stuff there. So I, I, It's funny. We
1: romanticized Native Americans. And uh, the actual still natives of this continent, Mexicans, this country has vilified. Like your average Mexican has up to 60% plus blood of native blood. Mm -hmm. And we love Native American culture, (laughs) unless it's south of the border. And then we're like, hey, no, that's crazy about America.
2: But it's like totally a fake idea of what Native American life is. Oh, it was. If you go and see how Native American people live now and like the things that they endure, so like right now, it's just, it's heartbreaking. But I did feel like, you know, because genealogy when I did it, I felt like uh, how do people understand like how much you've been robbed of that you can't trace? You know, right. that your heritage has literally been stolen and like wiped out? Like to me, that's a devastating thing that nobody even like thinks about. Right. Don't even think about it, man.
1: I was talking a coworker who just did we just we both did our uh, DNA test recently. And she's like, wow, I, uh, I traced my, uh, my heritage back to like the 1500s in Germany. And I traced my uh, um, fraternal heritage. down my father, grandfather, great grandfather. And it stops. It stops. 1871, great uh, great grandfather was born. And his parents were slaves. And the closest thing we have is the Lucius plantation. And he had 24 slaves. I um, used probably a Frenchman by the name of Lucius, and they probably just took the last name Lucius after after they left. Mm-hmm. And that's where the uh, that's where the uh, the old ge- that, the old genealogy ancestry <laughs> yeah. thing will, like ends. <laughs> that I, want dis- stops I want a discount right there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah,
3: there's
4: gonna be a discount. You're
3: yeah, right. now, I need a discount. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> money back, At like least that. a third. I want a third of it back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't really think it would be something that would be too appealing to me. Too. I no. feel like I would be like, let me guess. And <laughs> right with a slave owner, yeah, ah, oh, yeah. I we talking, but the, the DNA day,
2: doesn't make doesn't make it fascinating because like not all slaves came from Africa. Some were Caribbean. Some were you know brought from other places. So I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like if you trace it back to a specific area of Africa, like you were saying, like all the peoples are different. They have different cultures. They have different. And like I feel like you have. I mean, maybe it's not a big deal. To a lot of people. A lot of people don't give a shit about genealogy. But to me, it's like a connection to your entire like we all where we all came from all of us like
3: if i was if i could be certain that i would have some strange loophole where they were like your great great grandfather was that one amazing slave (laughs) we figured out exactly where he was from when he got off the ship we knew him and man (laughs) that guy was great and then i could actually start to go down because there's no I, i just can't imagine the slave trading ships had this detailed logs of, and there was this one slave on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Scott guy was something else. We took him from this certain hut. And <laughs> nah, I feel like I would. The story's just never gonna be good
0: mm-hmm. unless
3: there's like lightning in the bottle, and I got this one really cool way of finding out that my great 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 grandfather was. Uh... Well,
0: this is what I told her the other day. We were talking about uh, all these people that are pissed off about the removal of the Confederate flag or the Rebel flag or whatever. And I constantly ask people who are like, oh, we're Southern press, Southern heritage. I'm like, what exactly? um, You're from the South. So what I mean, what what is it that you're proud of? Is it like peanuts? I mean, if it's not slavery, (laughs) then is it like I I mean, I don't know what what the fuck is it? I don't know. Peanuts and (laughs) heritage like what? What are you proud of? And they like never have an answer for me. But I think that the same as, you know, finding out that my heritage was English and Irish. And I'm like, yeah, they both did like some pretty fucking awful shit. So I have like no reason to be like, oh, yeah, I'm English and Irish. Like,
2: I mean, in all cultures, there's good and bad. So, like, I try to look at the good and bad aspects of you know i feel
0: like if anything i would stick to west virginia because not the school taught me anything but in west virginia history and they talk about like the coal miners and like mother jones and like all the fighting they did and when they brought the military out against these people that were like they basically live in these little coal cities where they're like we're gonna pay you in script and you can only shop at our stores mm-hmm. and they they basically like i mean they just oppressed these people like crazy and i'm like if any heritage i was gonna claim i'd be like i like west virginia because those people were oppressed and they fought against it and, you know, they overcame it. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you hear that, the people work together. They were just like, all the poor people got along and they were against the system. And I'm like, I resonate but with see, that.
1: I, I tell people, I don't expect them to apologize or feel bad for whatever their ancestors may have done. But if you start celebrating it, then I have an issue with it. You right. Know? Um, my mother's German. And so I have some side of the family that uh, served on the wrong side of history in World War II, you know? I, I don't take any responsibility for that. I don't take have any guilt for that or anything like that. But if I started celebrating that and started waving a flag and started being like, oh, he was, you know, one hell of a soldier, That's just, I mean, then I have an issue, you know? Right. Every, our, every war has honorable fighters on both sides. Every single war. Sometimes we have to just admit and understand that some causes aren't worth fighting for. Some causes were evil. Some causes we're lucky didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's my that's my thoughts on the Confederate flag. Your your ancestors might have fought bravely, but I think it's time to understand what that flag stood for, the symbolism, and admit that their cause was an unjust cause. You can you can still celebrate the person. You can't celebrate the cause, and the flag celebrates the cause.
2: Exactly. Right, yeah, 100%. I agree. And, I mean, they were like traitors to the United States. They rose up against our country because something that they wanted wasn't, you know. And then and then the perpetuation of the lie that the Civil War was about states' rights. Well,
0: yeah, that's what everybody always says. It's, oh, it's about state rights. And I'm like, yeah, states' rights to own people. <laughs> that's that's what but this that's is what about. I'm
2: talking about like so much whitewashing goes on to try to make it like less than what it was and what you said that that people now are kind of having a collective like awakening you know what I mean and um, I I watched a lecture by a lady named named, uh, Robin D'Angelo and she was talking about she wrote a book called White Fragility and talking about how you know it's hard for white people to talk about race because of guilt and you know I look back over the years of you know, thoughts that I had about certain things. And I say, well, you know, when someone would say, well, that's kind of a prejudiced thing to think, or like reverse racism, like white people say, well, there's racist of all colors, right? Because there's black people that want to be separate. There's from white people, you know, and that they think that blacks are superior. So their racism can go either way. But the difference is the power structure is all white people have the ability to oppress So that's, and when the, my first friend that told me that she said, well, there's bias and there's prejudice, but racism is when, you know, you have the power over another group of people. Mm -hmm. That's where it becomes like institutional racism. But like feeling like I love people when you, when someone tells you that you have a bias and you, and you feel like you don't like it's hurtful. And that hurt can very easily switch over to anger. So, like, it is hard for people to examine themselves and not feel like, you know, yeah, I've never owned slaves. Like, you hear white people say that. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't own slaves. So why do they blame me? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that people blame you. When they say white privilege, they don't mean that you're doing it to them right now to gain some privilege. That's not what it's about.
1: I I avoid the term uh, white privilege. I don't use that term because it shuts people off. They get, no. get really—they put that wall up. They get really upset because privilege— invokes the idea of, you know, being born into money with extra uh, opportunities. I I use the term, um, (laughs) I use the term convenience. Like, I, as a black man, have to deal with things that you don't have to deal with. And that has to be, at the very least, convenient to you. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you guys, as women, I, as a man, conveniently don't have to deal with certain things you guys have to deal with. And that's my convenience. Mm-hmm. And you can add you can stack up conveniences, you know right. mm-hmm. And when they hear that they're like, oh, well that makes more sense. I like how that sounds better and it's undeniable right. that if you live in Wheeling and uh, It's a convenience you don't have to worry about Somebody treating you differently because you're race, if you're white. That's a convenience.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And when I say that people are like
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. uh,
3: when you say privilege the conversation ends even though lately it seems like it's picking up momentum like people are just Mm -hmm. talking about privilege uh i just was talking on the radio not long ago and the guy talked about privilege for a good five straight minutes Mm -hmm. and i was i didn't bring it up Mm -hmm. he brought it up it's just something that i think people are finally coming to grips with the idea that it doesn't mean i am now rich or i get an extra check that you don't get yes The, the whole term black lives
1: matter was so that's another term I would never, like I never used before and I still don't use it because people would just close off when you said that and now it's just so common and it feels like yeah. the uh, the zeitgeist of the country is just like, yeah, I see where they're coming from mm-hmm. and uh, it's okay to say that and they're, they're more open to understand what it
3: means when somebody says that and I think that's an amazing, uh, some amazing progress. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that people are becoming so teachable when it comes to those small things. Like I... I had a conversation with a black woman, it was odd. She called me to defend the recent comments of uh, Drew Brees, who when they asked him about are the players in the NFL that are gonna kneel again because it's new, you know, the, the George Floyd stuff and it's still so prominent. And he went on to talk about the flag and disrespecting the troops and, and all of that stuff. And uh, she was like, I, he he feels some type of way about the country and I get it. And uh To see his statements now, when, I mean, he did have to get backlash from players and all that stuff. But now he's really, it's like he's getting it. And we're Mm -hmm. watching this dude completely get it. He was towing the company line. He was saying what he was supposed to say. When Mm -hmm. you bring up the protest in the NFL, link it to the flag. Nobody's going to argue that you're disrespecting the flag, you're disrespecting the troops. He was towing that line. But now when people brought it up to him, he was like, you know what? I get it. It's not about the flag. It's not about somebody reached right. out to him and he had to listen. Right. And you sit down and explain to somebody and they and they understand. Mm-hmm. They they get it once they hear it in a in a different manner. Now what's strange to me, like we're we're saying this right now, how we're talking to folks, they're listening, they're changing, they're having these epiphanies, however it is that they're changing. But we also talked about a story that I don't remember how long ago, the story that you were telling me about this the enlisted man. Isaac mm-hmm. think, uh, yeah who was beaten till he was blind because someone didn't like him on a bus. And he got off because the jury was white. Like they just had to be white Mm -hmm. in order to, to see that this dude deserved whatever it is that happened to him. I couldn't imagine being in a position where I'm white, so I don't see what happened to this guy. Like I'm sure he was there blind, beaten that way. He's a serviceman and they they explained all these things i'm sure they didn't Mm -hmm. leave this this out of the court but they just thought somehow you deserve this somehow this is what was supposed to have happened to you and the men that did it aren't guilty for it it's amazing that in this this is a lifetime we're talking about Mm -hmm. this isn't like 300 years ago that this happened Mm -hmm. that people can change that much and i don't want to talk too idealistically i don't think you know we walk around everybody's holding hands and skipping and singing Mm -hmm. rainbows in the sky but there is, like you said, some weird collective awakening that is different than before.
0: And I'd say that was probably in the 40s. It was He was a World War II veteran. So well, the end World of War, War II, II was over in 1945. So, so he was yeah. coming
2: home, it was after that. Probably mm-hmm. between the 40s and 50s. So That's
0: will was
1: change when, you know basketball starts back up and the movies start back up and Major League Baseball. See. Like, do we just forget about it? Like, I posted on, on the social media, like, is this just another episode of the Black People Show? Mm-hmm. And then Americans are going to turn it off and change the channel after, you know, this week's over. with well, and what I was they gonna, I
0: don't ask think... you guys, too, is that do you get aggravated with all... I mean, all these people on social media are... Everyone's, everyone's posting about the George Floyd thing. Everyone's speaking out right now. And, I mean, not not the... I'm, like, trying to pat myself back on the back or anything, but it's like when you get those Facebook memories and it's like... I haven't posted about this shit for years, motherfuckers. Like, are you <laughs> gonna right, keep right. talking about this when this shit is over? When it's not trending anymore? Are you gonna keep talking mm-hmm. about it? And it's like... For me personally, I feel like, no, the majority of them are not going to talk about it. Because I'm always that person trying to have these controversial, controversial conversations. Because to me, I'm like, this shit ain't controversial. It's black and white. Like, you can either see it's wrong or not. The
2: Facebook coming back a year later and showing you what you said a year later is extremely important. None of my shit has changed, I deleted Facebook because it became a right-wing mind manipulation tool. So I deleted it. But I think that... When I saw things that I had posted, it wasn't like completely not me. Right. But I think like they prey on people's things that bother people and they f- try to find a way to drive a wedge in between what you really yeah. ethically think and pull you away from that. And that's one part reason I think so many people are stressed out using Facebook because they get into these political conversations and you don't realize there's a whole lot of stuff going on there like with the cambridge analytica and sending people feed stuff in their feeds to try to be like well this isn't don't you it's, it's like too much in your brain mm-hmm. like and what but when i saw like that i was against like the ferguson riots and then like you know some immigration things that i posted and I they weren't like they weren't really like negative negative
0: surprisingly but- though just from knowing you as being my mother you did really go from more of a republican standpoint to a liberal standpoint and I would
2: never say I was Republican. No, but, but I'm you were like, definitely
0: like more on the right side, like in the middle being like in the center. And I think you were more on the right. And as I've gotten older, I've seen you come more on the left, which I'm glad. I'm glad that you've come to this region And I think that
2: that happens because if you let that defensiveness down mm-hmm. and really look at yourself, like you can take cognitive dissonance of like, that makes me uncomfortable. Like, why does it make me uncomfortable? Mm, yeah, people yeah. have, in this whole situation, I feel like seeing that and maybe because there wasn't anything else in the news and all that combined together made people go, man, like I got to really look inside of my soul and Hopefully. find out.
1: I remember in the like case I had a buddy from uh, my days in the military and he was like, I saw that video and it's maybe, maybe there's something to what you're saying. Maybe uh-huh. you guys are treat, treated differently by law enforcement. And then two days later he was like, Nah, man, I feel like that's all, that's just all propaganda. And I'm like, what happened? I thought we had a moment where you were noticing some of the things that we, like I deal with. And it just it just kind of went away. It was like dust in the wind. And I'm like, I almost had it. I almost grabbed yeah, it. You,
3: we, were so it close. we lost it. We lost him. <laughs> There's a lady that sent me a message because we had a panel not that long ago in at Jesuit where I tried to do this talk where I was like, all right, I'm going to talk for like 10 minutes. And I talked about um, just violent destructive protests in America, how that's been a part of America. And I, I try to detail all these things. And I led up to Ferguson stuff. And I, I remember in the talk, I said, uh, sometimes you got to tear some stuff up. <laughs> and the paper just put that quote on no, it. God. That was awesome. Said, sometimes you just got to tear stuff up. Of course. This lady reached out to me and said, uh, I remember when you said at Jesuit that you had, sometimes you got to tear stuff up. I didn't get it at all, but I acted like I did. But she said, now I do. I was like, I was more like, you really didn't agree the first time? You really played it off well. Like, you seemed like you were with me. But it was just amazing that it took all this for her to to come around. And she was like, but I get it now.
0: Mm -hmm. So, but let me ask you guys, um, with all this stuff going on, and I know you and I talked about it, how, like, it's weird. Like, if people just come up and apologize to you for no reason. Don't apologize
1: to me, please. Yeah, like. Like, if you did anything, I've had two or three people be, that came up to me and were like, I used to make jokes when I was younger, or I used to say these things, or I treated this one guy really bad, and I want to apologize to you, Jermaine. And I'm like, please, please don't apologize to me, guys.
3: If there's a network and you can get it to that yeah,
1: guy. Yeah, I, I don't know the guy you made fun <laughs> yeah. of as a kid. Did you find Jamal alone, Yes, I don't know Fourth grade. But is this like,
2: is please. This, don't you don't think, think that, don't you, like, though, that people... <laughs> are trying to get over what she's talking to, Rob is talking about white fragility and people being afraid to, to accept that they have unconscious bias, stuff you've been taught since you were a child, mm-hmm. that when someone says, well, that's, you know, that's kind of bias, and you go, I'm not, no, I'm not racist, because racists are bad people. It's not about racism. It's about you uh, looking at another human being and saying, I have not done anything to you, but I feel for everything that you experience in yeah. your life. Like, that's what it, we need to but do. But uh,
0: are you guys getting tired of, like, with all this shit going on, I'm sure, which, personally, when I was like, hey, Jermaine, you want to come on my show, I don't want it to come off like, hey, something really bad happened to the black community, so will you come and explain it to a bunch of white people? Like, I don't want to come off that way. But are you getting sick? Like, I'm sure. No. No. Are you getting sick of that? White people being like, hey, can you explain to me the basics of what it's like <laughs> to be a black man in society? Like, are you sick of it? Like-
3: I like all types of attention. So- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I like the, uh, the emails and messages to just start out so heartfelt. Hey, Ron, uh, I just want to say how sickened and disgusted <laughs> I am at the current events and how it just pulls at my heart and it makes me... I get that. Okay, man. I I know. Because it's all really foul stuff. But if you're someone that I know, you don't ever have to begin it that way. I understand that you don't think watching a man die on live television was going to be a good thing. You're not going to be like, man, that video was great, man. I don't understand what they're so mad about. I I know that's not going to come out of your mouth. So the idea that you need to... Preface it with all this heart. I am devastated. I haven't been able to sleep for weeks. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. I gotta say, this is, gonna be, this is
1: gonna sound really weird, especially in these times. But growing up in West Virginia and surrounding areas, you understand that there are some very good people that just happen to be racist or sexist or homophobic. That outside of the, that one or two views, they are quality people and they've been taught these things since they were small. And it's hard to, you know, um, put those two things together. Like they're quality, good people to the people around them. These happen to have some weird racial biases, and uh, <laughs> you can't. I didn't post that on my Facebook recently because I don't know how well I'd go over. But uh, that's such a weird thing to come to terms with. Is these people that make things more difficult to me aren't bad people? in their soul. They're, they're just kind of confused, a little ignorant. They're ignorant, yeah. Yeah, maybe scared. Maybe they're a little scared as well.
0: I'll never forget this time, too, that, you know, growing up um, because of the people that my parents hung out with, we were around a big gay community. We were around a lot of gay people. And I'll never forget that my dad's best friend lived with us. We called him Uncle Bill. He wasn't my uncle, but we called him Uncle Bill. And the kid next door who I was best friends with, must have heard it from someone else because we were kids we were only like six or seven years old but he said i heard bill was a faggot and me and my brother beat the piss out of him in the front yard we beat the shit out of this kid in the front yard of our house just beat the fuck out of him and my brother's like four years older than me so this kid fucking got it <laughs> and it's like now looking bad on them I'm like Good okay i didn't know about that no yeah you didn't know but um yeah like looking back on that like maybe that wasn't the best way to handle it but I, I don't know the, I always remember those two things in our household that we were raised on was that you don't say the f word referring to gay people and you don't say the n word that was the two things we were raised in like a really diverse situation but I I think I learned after beating that kid up who was my friend um I was only like seven years old my brother would have been like 11? Shit <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> Out of that kid, but like, I think I learned after that that like that probably wasn't the best way to handle it because we didn't change his view at all, and he really he was just repeating something that he heard, and he really didn't know any better, and like. But you know, well, not my the sister best way went to, to a gay bar
2: with me one time, and she after when we left, she said, "Wow, gay people are just like other people," and I was like, <laughs> "Well, no, similar experience. I hell? know someone like, who in this really? area lives in this yeah. area."
0: That's not weird. doesn't know any black people. Doesn't doesn't really know any black people. And they went to the Dominican and they called me and they were like, oh my god, the black people here are so nice. They're not anything like the black people at home. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like what do <laughs> you know you...
1: one black person? What black people are you hanging out with? i like,
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I was so confused, but I think I'm starting to understand now that like people in this area have this very stereotypical specific view of black people. And like I don't know, I think that person traveling out of the area and not seeing like maybe the clothing or the way that they act, they think like, oh, it's not. the Well, that's color of their the skin. difference it's between culture, right, and,
2: and race, right. right?
0: Yes, different between culture and race. But but even still, to that point, is that I was with someone who the other day this black guy stops, comes up and asks us for directions, and I'm like, oh yeah, like telling him where to go. And then after that interaction was over, the other person was like, man, I was so scared when he started walking up here, and I was like, <laughs> why, like <laughs> you, why were you, why? I don't know. I'm like, I know why. Cause, cause he's black. <laughs> that's why you were scared. Like, but then I'm the bad guy. Like, no, that's not why. Yeah, it is. Like, let's just <laughs> let's just put it out there. That's why. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to deal with this shit. Cause I maybe I. I don't know. I don't think he's but. Yeah, you don't think he's a bad
1: person though. Your friend's not a bad person. He just has, and he can't help it. That's just right. Something deep seated, you know.
0: They don't understand. They I, yeah. Like I said,
2: I guess. I guess. Not to excuse it,
1: but you you have to understand these things before you can combat these things. Well, there's
2: like an unconscious connection too between like law and order Mm. and like the hierarchy of white people Mm. to people of color. So like when white people say law and order, I'm not saying it's a dog whistle, but like sometimes it is because it's all intertwined. Like in the history of law enforcement of like rounding up a posse, you know, like lynchings, like there was like really no police You know, up until I think like right before the 1800s, there was like a sheriff in the town to collect the taxes. And like, if someone committed a crime against you, you went to the mayor and was like, hey, somebody committed a crime against me. And they would um, issue a warrant and then round a posse up and go get the person, get them, give them a warrant. They'd have to come to court, and the court was people in the town. So there was nobody policing, you know what I mean? And that, like, the way that that evolved in conjunction, like, timeline wise, with the way the laws were structured against people of color, like, it worked together. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, if you hear the conservative, like, right wing now, it's all about, like, law and order. You got to keep things, you know, things got to be, you can't let things get out of control. What does out of control mean? And if you're a white person who's seen how minorities have been treated forever, like, maybe you're scared to be in a minority. Maybe you're afraid to give up that power.
1: I had a a professor when I was in college, an old, old man, about 70 years old, conservative, He was a ward in a few places. Um, He was actually a sheriff and a a police chief. Amazing person. Uh, One of the best teachers of all time. Uh, He was from Cameron. And I remember he said to the class, he said, uh, by by 2040, 2040, 2050, white people will no longer be the majority in this country. And like my grandfather used to tell me, payback's the son of a bitch. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I don't want fucking payback. was he talking about payback? was he talking about? But then I realized from that day that that's the fear that they have is if the if, if, if white people are no longer a majority, there's gonna be some kind of reckoning. Mm-hmm. And he said that in front of the class and nobody blinked an eye and I'm like, my goodness yeah general consensus yeah he won't be around to see this but he's warning (laughs) he's letting
2: y'all know yeah don't let him get too out of control because i I won't be here to see it but
1: payback's a bitch and i'm like hey guys i just want you guys to know i don't want any payback i'm just i just want to watch play video games and watch tv and have a nice time
2: and i feel kind of like i bash on boomers a lot because i I definitely do all the time, there was like a <laughs> there was like a psychosis that went on in the country with the red scare, like the fear mm-hmm. of Russians. Everything was Marxist, like because I was telling her earlier today, my mom, um, one time I said, well, I'm kind of thankful for Sesame Street because being in such a white area, like I never would have seen like Asian kids and Me- <laughs> Mexican kids, black kids all playing together, learning together. I never would have saw that, right? And she goes, well, that's because it's communist. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck. Does she use That's the word? That's adorable. Like, what does... <laughs> how is... Se- Sesame... Sh- did you hear I said Sesame Street? Like, I was confused. That's still a thing, though. I looked this shit up, and, like, there's literally people that believe that Sesame Street is cultural Marxism, and I'm like... Tucker Carlson oh. went off on Sesame Street on <laughs> CNN. Tucker Carlson. When he,
1: they, Sesame Street had that anti-racism um, special on CNN, and he went off on them.
0: Of course he did. Because it was Jeez. anti-American.
1: Their little special they had, and... <laughs> That's Fox News. That was amazing when I saw that. <laughs> You're beefing with Elmo.
0: This is one thing. Too. I mean, Elmo. it's mind blowing. Really, yeah. Is that you know, as as a part of a recent thing, people are learning. They're, I mean, I guess they're. I don't know. To me, some of it just seems so fake, because looking at all the things that have happened, that have been going on for so long, I don't know how people are just now like. Yes, it's not just enough to be not racist, but you have to be anti-racist. And I'm like, yeah, you're just now fucking getting that? Like, you're just now getting that? Like,
2: all right, all right. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's an introspection. I think it's a war of introspection. Like, white people need to have... We've never had, but like, is a come-to-Jesus moment because it, it's been lied about. History's been lied about, covered up, not taught properly. And it's been denial, denial, denial. I was watching
0: the Late Late show with uh, James something or other, the British guy that does the carpal karaoke. Yeah. I, was, I was watching his show, and he had one of his uh, black co workers explaining what white privilege was. It was so funny the way he did it. And I was like, "That's a, I'm glad they did it this way because it breaks it down in such easy terms. Like, just because you have white privilege doesn't mean you've done something wrong or you should feel guilty. Like, it just is. But it, and she explained it really well. And I was like, <laughs> I glad they it. I apologize, did this. please. And I'm, yeah, exactly. And I'm glad he played it out this way. But one of the things that everybody's talking about right now is when it's not enough to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist and you have to call things out when you see it. And it specifically reminds me of like two or three years ago when my grandmother was at your house for Thanksgiving and she had the audacity to say the N word to me. And I got up and left because I'm just like knowing me, if you know anything about me. What the fuck in your mind thought that that would be appropriate to say that to me? They're inappropriate people. Well, then... Like, then, she doesn't then, say then that around why, me. This These is why right. I don't feel bad for my grandmother when she says things like, well, I just feel like, you know, you and your brother you don't have a close relationship with our family. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're fucking racist. Like, you're, everything about you as a person is awful. Like, that's why. <laughs> like,
2: and it's hard for them to understand that. Like, they don't they, even They understand. genuinely you act like they mean? don't
0: get that. That's what confuses me is I'm like, how do you, I mean, I get you grew up in a different time, but I'm just like, I know plenty of people that grew up in the same time period as them who are not like them. So I'm like, do you really not understand that it's wrong? You know what I mean?
2: Well, it's hard to understand it's wrong if you have a vested interest in maintaining the like status quo. Right. So, so, you gotta wanna I guess, let uh, it go, you know? I guess the last thing I want to
0: ask you guys, and then I'll give you some time to say whatever, you know, thoughts you've come up with in this time that you wanna say, um, is that I've heard a lot on the internet is that, you know, people say, well, as white people, you listen to black people. That's what you do in these situations, you listen, right? But obviously, there's conflicting opinions on different sides. Like, my. Mother in law is showing me all the videos of like, what's her name, Carolyn Evans or Owens or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're not a monolith.
1: Don't listen to. Right. Yeah, yeah, like don't be selective who you listen to. You know. (laughs) So. You see the guy in the corner with the forty hours. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) He does not speak for me. Right. Candace Owens doesn't speak for me. So
0: so that's what I'm saying. You know. Where do we go with that in an area like this, where really, like, we're ninety some percent white, and there aren't people typically don't have a lot of interaction with black people, is and they get most of it from the internet. So it's like. How do I tell someone who listens to Candace Owens and I'm like, listen, this is not like you can't just listen to this one person. And, and how do I explain that to other people? How do I tell them like you have to listen to more than one voice when maybe that's the only black person they know?
3: Hmm. Well, I think they have to know that if if what they're looking for is some sort of change, like if they're expecting to hear something that's going to change the way they've looked at things, the way they've done things, or just the way things are around them, you have to understand that change comes with some uncomfortability. So if someone is saying something to you that's just like,
4: yeah, exactly,
3: I knew it wasn't that bad, you're, that you're just, like we said before, just towing the line, there's going to be some uncomfortability there. So if you're hearing something and everything is just sweet, wonderful, and great, that, that might not be the person that's really being 100% honest with you. If you're not uncomfortable at all when you're having the conversation, it just might not be right. That's a tough one. Uh, (sighs)
1: uh, I I saw a story where, not a story, but a friend was asked, he talked to me about another friend that was actively, was it you told me that they were actively trying to find black friends because they didn't have any black friends?
0: It might have been, I don't know. Yeah, it was
1: really sad. Like, it was not sad, but it was a little (laughs) uncomfortable to hear about. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of like with Seinfeld when a, George was looking for a black friend. I've never seen that. You never seen Southfield? I don't watch Southfield. Oh, okay. Well, George knows he had no <laughs> black friends, so he was trying to recruit the guy who worked to be his black friend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, realize that uh, there's just not one voice in the black community. Uh, that's why I kind of get worried about these protests and when these um, movements happen and it gets too organized. You know, like Black Lives Matter in West Virginia were like, don't go to any protest that we didn't right. put together because. You know we're professionals and blah blah blah. Well, you're not the only voice in -hmm. West Virginia, or you know, um, anybody can do a protest. Right? Yeah, it was kind of of any race. Yeah, that. Yeah, Yeah, it was 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 weird. You guys professionals. That's not. That doesn't sound like change at all. That sounds like you know a special interest. Mm -hmm.
3: Um, It doesn't sound like that'd be a good thing to be. Yeah. No. Professional protester. (laughs) Then that's not the protest I need to go to. Then.
1: I mean, seek out voices. You don't have to be friends with voices. There's there's a ton of videos, YouTube videos, all types of resources mm-hmm. to, to to learn from. Um, you don't have to have, be a you don't have you don't have to have black friends to understand black plight or you know the issues that blacks go through. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't have too many Jewish friends, but I don't have to have too many Jewish friends to to uh, be empathetic to Jewish causes mm-hmm. and the things that they go through. You know, that makes that's mm-hmm. just common sense you don't have to have a personal connection to have a, to take care for somebody right. else
0: right well and that was one thing I told her too which I think a big issue I don't even know where I would start to bring it up but I know especially I mean maybe maybe I can make a change even if it's just in West Virginia but I think that learning about black history has been has been completely neglected which is part of the problem that we have in the way that people come up so ignorant um, and I know it's a problem in West Virginia so I feel like I don't even know where to start with that but I, that it's all my this is like one of the things like if you want to make a change of, this, is yeah. on the, this is the top of the list here is that start with young people and I know personally I went through the system and they didn't teach me shit they didn't teach me anything and you know I learned about the suffering of people in the Holocaust and how they were treated and how they were tortured and people were killed but when we talked about slavery it's so glossed over like it's nothing and I'm like this is part of the problem is that if you don't if you don't teach what actually happened, how are people supposed to have sympathy and even start to understand, like, to even have a curiosity to look into, oh, this was actually wrong, if it's just glossed over, like, nothing's wrong.
1: I think it's important to teach the past, but also it's more important to teach the issues that these people face today. Because mm-hmm. when you teach the Holocaust, it's like we can easily say, well, that wasn't me. It's over. And no, that wasn't right. even my father. Right. I have no connection to that. They just need to suck it up. Mm-hmm. and ignore the issues that these people face today, you know, mm-hmm. um, like systemic racism and, and police brutality. It's easy to say, ah, oh, I never owned slaves and totally ignore the small, well, not smaller issues, but the different issues. Now, these issues aren't smaller, they're, they're just different. They morph into different things, more more quiet things, more covert things, mm-hmm. um, like the prison prison industrial complex. You know? yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't look as bad as it did 100 years ago, that's because it's changed and it's become more politically correct and it's become more um, easy for Americans to consume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that these barriers and these hurdles aren't there still.
2: Yeah. I absolutely think education is the first place that it can start because... And sometimes that's just a conversation like you have with somebody. For example, like I was trying to explain to my mom one day when I was talking to her about like generational wealth is something that like, you know, okay, yeah, there's poor white people and there's poor black people. We were poor white people, but over time like my parents were able to like accumulate a certain amount and so then they pass an, a little tiny bit like on to me and then I can pass a little bit and like people of color that have such a hard time of accumulating that generational wealth you know for example the, well, I, I watched a, a lecture by a lady I can't remember her name right now but she was talking about when the veterans came back from World War II and you know you were given a, a a government where you could buy a house, a government program where you could buy a house if you're a
0: veteran. Yeah, which was which was still segregated.
2: Yeah, so, like, the black veterans, they said, well, here, you can go buy a house. But the way they redlined the communities, the you had to have a house that was a certain value before it was considered worthy enough to get to put the loan to it. But, like, they weren't allowed to live in a place where they could actually use that. So she was saying my father got his house which he paid like thirty thousand dollars for and by the time he retired that house was worth like a million dollars because it accumulated in, in in wealth and she said you know here's this guy who never got to even use his so mm-hmm. there's all these like things that just here. hold back
1: like see i think not to get on politics too much but uh, like the president i think he's a person that grew up in wealth he grew up as a millionaire and i think he feels like because of that somehow he was he's better he was born better than others and i think that's part of the reason that he has such disdain for obama i think he was raised in a society and in in an environment that taught him that he was he was better than black people overall but he was better than people that came from nothing because he was born in Mm both i think both those things were just a nice combination that made him disgusted that this man named Barack Obama that came from nothing, mm-hmm. from a single-parent home, from no money, this black guy is somehow more respected than you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the root of his issues with the last president.
2: And has to be yeah. a conspiracy and he'll, he'll, he'll And he'll never admit
1: to it. He'll never admit to it. And uh, that's part of that fear. And he'll never, that's some deep-rooted stuff, mm-hmm. that he'll never never get over well
0: part of the thing too when I was reading about Isaac Woodard uh, the veteran who got blinded by the police um, I the guy Woody Guthrie who wrote a song about him and brought attention to it also wrote a song about he lived in this place called Beach Haven which was then bought by Trump's dad Fred Trump And he wrote the song about how he kept all the blacks out and basically made it like an all white zone. And so this guy moved out of there because he was like, fuck you, you're a fucking racist. Mm. And he wrote this song about it. And it's, I can't find the song anywhere because it's so long ago, but you can read the lyrics of it. And it just makes me think that it's like, how does anyone think that Trump isn't racist when that's what he was raised by? Because there's absolutely no doubt that Fred Trump was a fucking racist. There's no doubt that he was. So I'm like, how do you think that out of all the situations that he was raised in and the things that he's done and the things that he said that you can still deny, oh no, he's not racist. And I'm just like, okay,
2: all right, all right. Sure. I mean, people believe sometimes what they choose to believe, not because yeah, I mean, that's any it sense makes any sense or there's any evidence for it. They just choose that to believe that. But I would say that people, the biggest hope we have is people like look really inside their self and examine herself, examine why you're... And I think there's a lot of police officers out there right now that's questioning their own self. You know, you see some of them kneeling where maybe they were thinking, yeah, maybe that one time when I did get really mad, it was because I got some bias or something. You know, like... um, Well, a good cop would think that. Like, you have to... It's like re-examination, but like you were saying, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not probing areas of yourself where there is bias. Like, I was driving down the street one day, and there were some people... And honestly, I can't even remember if they were of people color or not, but they were like walking in the street And it was like so irritating. Like why? Why don't they not on the sidewalk? Why are people walking in the street? <laughs> and that I think was an issue with uh, Mike Brown. Why the cop approached him was because he was in the street mm-hmm. So, but I was like, why is that? Okay, wait a second. Like why? Is, I can get around them right. So why is it bothering me? Yeah. So i had like to be thinking about that Okay, so what is it about? People yeah, don't, be
1: in the street. don't be a Karen. Don't oh, no. be a Karen. I would say I had a, I had a um, law enforcement professional I've been friends with for a long time who deleted me from Facebook soon after soon after Ferguson. <laughs> uh, messaged me soon after this happened. Uh, we're friends now again, and he uh, talked about a story he heard that uh, when you get into a fight and you're scared, when you get into a fight and you're scared of losing that you fight more viciously and you're, you're, you're less uh, sympathetic and you dehumanize the person you're fighting, you know. And he kind of linked that towards how these officers officers feel when they're faced with a black man. They've been taught their whole lives to, to fear this group of people and they, they act more harshly and to kind of explain why some of these cops unknowingly um, treat these suspects like that. And that was, for, to me, first of all, that was huge for him to even consider that. And he, he said, how do we go from here, if that's a real thing that's out there? How do we teach cops to, to not have this deep-seated fear of the black man that American culture is kind of uh, seated inside them? And uh, I think it's going to be hard to even get that, gets anybody to admit that's real. Yeah. Um, I don't know if many people's masculinity is going to allow them to, to even fathom that they have this deep-seated cultural fear that's been installed installed into them mm-hmm. since they saw you know new jack city
3: on accident when they <laughs> were six years mm-hmm. old um yeah if people have trouble saying privilege yeah. and accepting that they have a privilege imagine how long it's going to take if someone said they have a fear yeah
0: mm-hmm. i feel like I, I i mean and maybe it's not the same but i feel like i kind of get that in the way but not with race but with men Mm -hmm. because as a woman and like the things that i've experienced and lived through and knowing people and the things that they've gone through and i i mean i get accused of being a sexist all the time and i feel like i'm not but i feel like i do have a prejudice when i meet men i always trust them less than women
1: and i I, I get that i don't
2: have it with race but i have it with sex well we were trying to explain to a guy one time who got like really loud and like we wanted to leave and like later on we told him well like and a, if you're a small woman and a guy gets out of control, like, you see he's really angry and you don't know what he's going to do. Like, if you make the wrong choice at that moment, you could be a victim. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that comes with knowing each other and, uh, and listening. I work in a field where that's 75% women, you know, um, social work and, and child care is 75% women. I'm guessing. I'm not making that, that number <laughs> up. like that, Yeah. And I sit down and hear their stories and their fears. And the idea that they worry by walking through a parking lot or they put their keys between their fingers or somebody was trying to talk to them while they were going to the car and they they feared that they were going to be attacked. That, you know, I have my own nerves, like my own fears, my own worries, but I never felt, I've never been scared to walk to my car. You know, I'm a decent sized guy, a little bit bigger than I should be right now, thanks to (laughs) this lockdown. (laughs) But like I said, those are the conveniences that I have that you guys don't
0: well yeah know. i feel like i feel like that's why in this demographic of people who it seems like it's the hardest to reach are white men because what yeah. i mean what do they face that is so that they have to think twice about you know what i mean i mean at least it's it, it's sometimes with white women that they think at least they know the fears of what women face and men don't so maybe there's some understanding between the two but i feel like when white men feel like they're being attacked i'm like you literally only feel like you're being attacked because you have nothing to fear. Like, <laughs> it,
1: makes sense, it makes no sense to me. Like, I have people, I have friends in the LGBTQ community that I know face these these issues. You know, because I've seen people that are hateful. I've seen people act hateful towards them. I've seen people discriminate against them. So when they speak up and say and they talk about their stories, I would have to be a complete douchebag to say no. Nah, you guys are overreacting, <laughs> right? Because growing up around here, I know you know racist people. You hang out with racist people. You have great, you have racist uncles. You've seen this happen. So for you to say that our worries are overblown,
4: <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah. like,
1: fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're being insincere right now, right. and that really that that angers the black community more than anything. Especially mm-hmm. yeah, when we see that and we know that you know it's real that's that's probably the tipping point for absolutely. us
0: absolutely yeah. i get that 100 percent. i don't remember who it was that i don't remember who said it, it all the things that i've been watching but the it was a black guy and he said that you know i don't worry about what people say to my face but that i have to worry about what they say behind my back and i think about that because as a woman i've had the same experiences that men who act perfectly fine to me to my face but then i hear the awful things they say about me behind my back and i'm like what the fuck like where the fuck did that come from why didn't you say it to my face but then when I hear it explained as a race thing I'm like I get that I get that because they they do it to me too it's just in a different (laughs) sense like I get it like
1: (laughs) you mentioned somebody deleted you earlier from Facebook oh so many people people that's gotten in so many (laughs) arguments with me and I love it because I guarantee he looked through your profile and saw your pictures and he had this Issue inside of him, like, I can't believe she said this to me. And uh, oh my goodness, it's been like he got rejected. And <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like a different power you hold. Yeah, he couldn't take the rejection mm-hmm. and yeah, I feel like, uh, being uh, when, talked back to by, by a, a woman, a female but first like that. All, I
0: feel like when I do piss people off, they go to my profile and they hope they're hoping I'm like super fucking ugly or something. And I'm like, I'm not, like, you can't <laughs> say anything.
1: Like- that's a different level, they're like, oh my. Ah it's fucking and bitch. they and they block you and it,
4: yes,
0: yeah. yeah, it happens all the time. I love it though. I feel like I won when that happens because <laughs> I just I'm petty like that. I don't know. I just I can't, but well, I guess to wrap this up, um is there anything that you guys want to end this on? anything you think the viewers should hear or,
3: uh continue these conversations because unfortunately i am a little jaded when it comes to this stuff and i am expecting the credits to start rolling on this pretty soon the black black people people show the black (laughs) black people show (laughs) thanks for coming (laughs) See you guys in three years yeah Yeah, then they just kind of be like okay let's get back to normal and this is nice again and i probably had a gun and yeah i heard he was high and and the, the normal stuff will start, but I feel like as long as conversations like these happen, I mean, it's less likely because people are going to get it's going to be normalized in a way like the I, like there are so many people that I know who had an issue saying Black Lives Matter before now have it as their profile picture. Like that's mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Does that piss you off though? No, mm-hmm. no,
3: no. Because again, I am jaded, and I do think that it is temporary. But I don't think it's coming from a place where they're trying to, to patronize me mm-hmm. by by saying it now. People I think are they are to starting it. to get mm-hmm. it. They're like they're oh, wait, trying to get it. And I feel
2: they're like there's more acceptance mm-hmm. of people. You know, it's kind of like the whole purity test culture or whatever. And I, I just think like people are throwing that shit out the window. Like if I right. say if I look at you and I say I want to be your ally. Like I might not get it all right. You know, I might say some stupid shit, then tell me but like I want to be your ally. Yes. Like, I think right. I she like
1: posted me. that with the uh, Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it now to to the Black Lives Matter movement, just because somebody makes some missteps and said some crazy things in the past, don't reject allies. Right. Especially as a minority, you have to accept you can you can teach them what they did wrong, mm-hmm. but you can't reject allies. And this
3: is fight. This, if they want to be part of the fight, let, let them be part of the fight. Exactly. Like the idea that this protest that's happening on Saturday, I don't know a black person connected to it yet. That's great to me. And But the woman that was helping organize it was like, uh, I don't, don't want to feel out of place. Almost like she was asking permission. I don't need that. I don't no. need you to ask permission because it's more impactful here when it's all white people holding up signs and, and standing all through uh, Chicken Neck Hill saying... That we are with you. That that speaks volumes. And it doesn't seem insincere at all. It seems genuine. Now, once the days of protests and demonstrations are over and there needs to be some action behind it. You mean like Monday? Yeah. (laughs) We'll see then because I, I, I think it is everyone feels like they should say something. And do something, because mm-hmm. I think there's an asterisk on the do something. Do something is probably, I can I can go to a demonstration, I can make a sign, I can change my profile picture. But when the do something starts to grow, mm-hmm. we're going to really see some rapid changes, so, too. I want to remind the,
1: the listeners that uh, these are people in the streets marching. These are normal citizens. This is not an antifa, wherever <laughs> the uh, establishment and the Republicans want to make you seem... You take anybody—the the whole one thats Antifa, You still have thousands of people in the street. These are American citizens, and uh, it's—you uh, can't downplay it this time. Yeah. This is this is real.
2: Thank goodness, Mick.
0: Any closing thoughts?
2: I just—I'm with him that real real change comes in in you know having a plan, and we can look at these things and like we did with our one episode we haven't posted yet. We broke down like. Misidentification, people getting too amped up, the improper training. Like I went through some of the police training in in, uh, my criminal justice degree, and they do show you these videos where if you don't act first, you die. Mm -hmm. So there is like that fear training, and you know, the militarization, like all these different things. If you look at every one of these, each one of these incidents, as tragic as they are, has different things that's leading up to them. So we have to do an autopsy of interactions with the police. First of all, all these misdemeanor bullshit, $20, whatever, that, that, you show up, take names, write a fucking report. Why are you even <laughs> mm-hmm. pursuing somebody on that? Like, to me, that's right now. Every police department needs to say, if it's under a certain amount, if it's a misdemeanor, take a report, get some information, turn it over. If a detective feels like he wants to waste his time investigating what might be a crime, okay, okay. But, like, Eric Garner selling new cigarettes? Give me a break, man. Like, why was that well, even Sandy a thing? Well, same thing with George Floyd. Yeah. Supposedly a, a fake 20. Tw- I mean, you I worked at the casino for 13 years. You know what happened when we had a fake 20? A fake 100. Some A police comes in. They, so they usually, we willing police didn't even bother with it, but they're like, Pff, okay, whatever. But if the person was still there and we knew who passed it, they went up and asked for ID. Do you have any idea where you might have got this bill from? I don't know, if I got it from gas gas station or something.
1: Okay. All right, thanks. Have a nice day. I think it's maybe time right. to stop That's That's basing these police forces on the on the military rank system. You know, in the military, it makes sense if you're in a war zone to to have this whole brotherhood, you know, never never turn your back on your brother. Always support him no matter what. But when it comes to, to civilian populations and police forces, maybe it's not the best um motto the best thing to teach these cops you know because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. every time you see these incidents happen and the report comes out every t- anytime anybody gets in trouble they, they give you they give you the best case scenario they, they tell you the best story they make themselves look the best right mm-hmm. and that's what we see every time and they and their partners back them up and that's because we teach this uh, silly idea of brotherhood when it shouldn't i work with kids and, and i see somebody mistreating a kid i don't have no sense of brotherhood Right. I, I turn them in because I have a sense of ethics, and we need to teach that more within the police forces.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I, would I was agree. another thing they told told me in criminal justice when I was in college was that a lot of times a police departments shun women, not necessarily because of their physical stature or anything like that, because they don't as often comply mm-hmm. with ethical shadiness. Like if a woman sees something, she is more likely to say, "That's not right." We I got have break to fall that. Yep. that. You we have a good break good old that. boys club. Yeah, boys club, but. You know, I think uh, I just recently
0: had this interaction when I realized that um, was 100 percent weight privilege because uh, my fiance, stupid and drunk, uh-huh. um, decided to walk home from an event instead of drive, which is good because he didn't drink and drive, but he walked home. That's Uber. Yeah. No. <laughs> what an idiot. Should have taken Sorry. an Uber. I mean, per, part of me is like, oh, you fucking deserve what you get. You dumb ass like walking <laughs> home alone at that time of night. Like, but I try not to be like that. Right. So he walks home, gets jumped by a group of guys, gets robbed, and it's like, no, of course you didn't deserve that, but maybe next time use better judgment, okay? But that was the end of it. I'm like, yeah, it fucking sucks, but I'm just glad you're alive. So they call the cops the next day to make a report, and the cop that shows up proceeds to tell him and lecture him like he's his mother that it's his own fault that it happened. So me, being me, gets in the fucking cop's face and tells him, I fucking called you here to make a report! If you got anything else to do, (laughs) fucking leave. Because I I didn't ask you to come here and lecture this man. I will lecture the man child when you leave. Make the fucking report or go home. I mean, blew up on this guy in his fucking face. You know what the cop did? Nothing. He didn't do shit. And after that interaction happened, I thought, what the fuck came over me that I did that? Because he definitely could have taken me to jail. I couldn't get away
3: with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's what I'm
0: saying. At that moment, I was just (laughs) like, if I were black, I never would have got away with that.
3: Yeah, those are Bigfoot stories to me. And I like, Holy <laughs> crap, you saw Bigfoot?
0: Yeah. You get a picture? <laughs> so I think that was uh, one of the first experiences I had that I was just like, that's white privilege. Absolutely. And, it, you know, when people tell me I have white privilege, it never offends me. It never does. Because, I, I mean, I'm 100% recognized. Like, yeah, it's fucking privilege. But, so it, it confuses me with another other white people It makes you think how, like,
1: deep-seated that, has, that disgust has to be. Like, if you were black, for him to be like, how dare she yell at me like that? Like who is she? But he can take, he can accept it from you, but if you were like like you know uh, like like or anything like you know that's a bad name to
3: use.
1: That's a yeah, horrible name. It's the Taz. Yeah, yeah, it's a black a black man black, black female what about name. About Yolanda. Yolanda. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to accept that. Right. He wouldn't sit there and take that. Right. And how deep seated is and how weird is that that he has that disgust? But yeah. he can he can take it from you though.
0: Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, I that was definitely... The day after that happened, there was definitely a turning point in my mind <laughs> that I was just like, something's broken about this. Because if I wasn't who I was, there would have been a problem. And I probably would have went to jail because I was being pretty fucking aggressive. So, I don't know. I was, that was a major thing for me. It was just a couple months ago that I was just like, something's wrong here. Because I, I just absolutely recognized that if I would have been slightly less of a fucking Elvira vampire that I am that I probably would have went to jail. So, I've I don't
2: have seen Cops put up with some BS from some drunk people of, yeah. the, of varieties of color at the casino. And I mean, they're on camera, but I'm saying like, like they didn't even act like the ones that I dealt with that came over there on calls, they didn't even act like they was riled up about it they're like all right okay well, no, I definitely i'm know stupid some i'm wheeling wheeling ass, <laughs> <but> <laughs> that are but can we just get you out here without me arresting you because i really don't want to like they were generally pretty calm about it you know
0: yeah um, i mean for the experience that i've had for what it is being a white person i feel like uh the wheeling pd has been pretty decent but i still specifically remember this time that i was uh, on the island and got robbed when i was a teenager by people we knew um who we called the cops, and when they showed up, they were kept asking for a description. And we were fucking shit hammered. And at the time I thought these cops are cool because I'm like 15, and I'm fucking shit hammered, and they're not taking, they're not, you know, they're not doing anything about it. But the cop that showed up kept asking us over and over and over for a description of the person who robbed us, and we kept telling them, yeah, white female. And over three <laughs> times, over three times oh, he no. said, black male? Black male? <laughs> oh no, black oh, male? My and God. I was like, uh, No. Holy shit. <laughs> Where are you getting that from? We said white female from the start that's who we described as but three times the guy was like Are you sure? Sure wasn't a black male? We're like, No, is this a fucking I'm joke? Boring. Maybe He's that like, maybe we that guy was in the like, car. <one."> Hopefully help he doesn't out. work there anymore. <laughs> he was an old guy. He was an older guy. But I was just That's like, scary. is this a joke right now? Like, to me, like, me and my friend who were there at the time, we joked about it for, because we were just like, is that fucking legit? But then I realized later how serious that is because I was just like, this guy was looking scary. for an excuse right? I had it, to I stop someone. On, and we were on the island. I didn't live on the island. This was a, one of the first times I'd been on the island. I didn't realize that, like, a lot of black families do live here. And I just, like, realized in that moment, in a split second, in my drunken phase, if I would have been like, Ugh, they probably would have just fucking went and arrested some guy. And it's like, yeah. that's part of the reason why, for the most part, I do trust Wheeling PD, but living on the island, I'm, like, very hesitant to call the cops.
2: I had to call the police on a domestic I saw between um, a black female and a white male, a, a black male and a black female. And I and the woman was being an aggressor. She was hitting the guy. She's punching <laughs> him. She's a big, a big lady, too. She's beating, She's hitting him, right? She wants this bag he's got in his hand. He's just kind of, like, shoving her off, you know, like, whatever. But it was getting pretty intense because she was not stopping. So I called because I didn't want it to get out of control. The guy, like, I don't know how long he's going to put up with this or whatever. But I was afraid to call. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to call because I mm-hmm. didn't want to get out of control. But I was afraid to call. And that's sad when you're Thank afraid you. to call. <laughs> no, but that's what so, I was. So But say. when I called, no I matter gave matter the description. What but I said, the female is being the aggressor in a situation. Because a lot of times men get judged. When I mean, you say there's a domestic, it's automatically demands right. man's right. beating on the a woman. Right. So, like, I wanted to let them know that so they didn't come a charging up on this this black guy to, like, snatch him up when she was the one that was being aggressive. Well, I think whenever. that's a really
0: important thing for white people to know, too, is that maybe they don't think about it when they call the cops because they're like, oh, call the cops whenever you see anything. But, like, I know if we lived in a perfect world, it's like, yeah, call the cops anytime you see right. anything to report something. But that's not the world we live in. And even when I see kids down here at this like youth center that we have here and they're making noise and shit. And it's like, even if they're not, you know, black kids still, I know that they're, they're kids that are completely, they're at a disadvantage where the cops could definitely take advantage of the power they have over them and totally disregard anything they say. Basically they could take advantage of them. So when they get loud and they're being ridiculous, I just scream over to them, and be like, Hey, quit being a bunch of dicks. I'm trying to sit on my porch. (laughs) I don't call the cops because I, I just don't want the cops to make it worse.
1: Yeah, I got pulled over in Mansfield once. Ever tell you this story?
0: No, but I'm automatically sorry because growing up in Marshall County.
1: It was Friday that. night, and this girl messaged me on AIM. I was 17 years old. AIM. And she was like, "Come out here for this party." I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna fill up some boobies tonight." <laughs> I was 17. I've seen like I saw like two other pair. I was so excited. So I speed down to Mansfield. I, I do speed, so I probably broke the law there. And this car pulls up behind me. There's a cop, and I pull over, and. uh... I sit there, and I'm like, okay, Jermaine, keep your hands on the wheel. Just relax. You didn't do anything wrong. Cop comes up and gets, you know, uh, license registration. I'm like, "Uh, yes, sir. Give it to him. I sit there. Five minutes, nothing happens. Four cars pull up behind me, and I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. I know what's going on. I shouldn't shouldn't be in Milesville at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) He comes up, and he's like, "Uh, can you get out of the car? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yes, sir. I'm 17. I'm so scared. And he's like, "Yeah, I saw you throw something lit outside of the car." And I'm like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> he was like, "Yes, I did. Get out of the car." And I got out of the car, and he put, they put me on the hood. And they were like, "I saw you throw something lit, and your car smells like weed." And I was like, "I don't, I don't know what smell, I don't know what weed smells like. That's how sheltered I am." <laughs> I was like, uh, "No, you don't." <laughs> he was like, "Yes, I do. It smells like weed. You smell like weed. I know what weed smells like. Where's the weed at?" And I'm like i don't know what you're talking about sir and i see his car these cops behind me looking through the bushes looking for weed oh my God. and i'm like you couldn't see me throw anything lit because my window does not work. And he's like i saw it it happened <laughs> oh my where's gosh. the weed at and wow. i'm like and to me i'm like oh man they're gonna pull some weed out of their pockets and i'm gonna be in trouble <laughs> so six cops around me and they started interrogating me and they're like hey yeah, so where's the weed at and i'm like i don't have any weed and they were like, uh, "Yeah, you threw it out. Just tell, tell us. Just, just tell us you threw it out, and nothing bad's gonna happen to you." Oh my god! And I'm like, "Sir, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even smoke cigarettes." And they're like, <laughs> "Sure, you don't. Don't be bringing that stuff in my town, bro." And I'm like, "Yes, please." And for, for a second, I started laughing a little bit, like, "Yes, you're tripping." And they're like, "Don't laugh at me. This isn't, this isn't funny." I get I get nervous. I start laughing. They get they they come down me hard. I get real nervous. Um. They keep on searching. They can't find anything. They keep on trying to get me to admit to it, and I, I don't because uh, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you know, I always wonder what, happened, what would happen if I said, "Yeah, I was smoking weed." I'm sorry, guys. Can I just, can I just go? Um, Suddenly, so the cop was like, can he gives me this big lecture because they have nothing to hold me on, and uh, they let me go after searching my car, putting me on the hood, and trying to get me to admit to, uh, to having illicit subs- substances, and. Uh, yeah, it was rough. It was a, that doesn't shock me. Though. So my my biggest fear was, did he really thought did he really think he saw me throw something lit out of the that loud, out of the car, or was he just fucking with me? I think he was mm-hmm. just fucking and with me. And he had other like four other cop cars come out to to in to Ohio County over weed in Wheeling,
0: <laughs> you know? in Wheeling. I would say that so far. It hasn't been a bad experience for me, and although I am a white person, so maybe that doesn't reflect. But I can tell you 100% from living in Marshall County, the cops there are brutal, and they are abusive, and a lot of times racist. I mean, when I was in high school at John Marshall, they had a resource officer, and he fucking tased a kid in the hallway for nothing. (laughs) He said, hey, stop, in a crowded hallway the kid didn't stop, and he fucking tased him. We called him Quick Draw McGraw because we were like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" Like, yeah, Marshall County. I, I mean, I, I would not any person of color who tried to move into Marshall County. I'd be like, "You might want to rethink this." I, I do. That. Like, <laughs> it's bad. Here. That's my only
1: Moundsville joke. Uh, yeah, Moundsville is a, a shithole. I do a, yeah. um.
0: It's bad. Of comedy.
1: Was- I do like open mic nights, mm-hmm. and we were gonna do a show in Moundsville, and I was gonna be like, "Hey, Moundsville is beautiful. I would move here if I wasn't black." Right? You know, it's that, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs>
0: No, I it's mean, a, I think it's... I, I don't miss Marshall a, County at all. I can't believe
2: from Marshall to Ohio County
0: the yeah. difference
2: that there is. I mean, it, it was a long time ago, but I knew a guy that got out of the Air Force and went to work for the Sheriff's Department down there. And uh, he went through all of his, you know, training and then went to the police police academy and came back out of police academy and uh, got fired. Oh. And, um, I was like, dude, like you, you just, you haven't worked a day since you graduated. Like what happened? And he said that some of the officers felt that he wasn't um, aggressive enough and they didn't feel safe working with him. So what happened was he saw an officer do something that was, you know, he, he basically took a shot, a a couple shots at a guy that was in handcuffs. Mm. And I think he discussed that. Now I don't know the race of that person, but, um. You know, when he started to hit the guy that was handcuffed, you know, this person was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't do that. And there was a camera where this happened. And the officer that was putting the boot to the guy in the cuffs says, well, is that on? Point to the camera. And so this other officer goes, "Uh, I don't know, but like, what the fuck, what are you doing? Like, like, what does that even have to do with anything? Like, Uh, you so I think when he expressed to his brethren in the police department that that was not a good scene, that they were like, this one got to go. Yeah, he got fired
0: shortly after, no surprise. So,
2: right. you know, and I don't want to re- say his name because I don't want him to, you know, that was years ago, whatever. But, like, after that, he went to work for another law enforcement. And, you know, the county has, like, jurisdiction over, like, the city. So if you need help as a city police officer, the county will come in and help and help you. But as a city officer, you can't go outside the city. So, they call him to the Narrows in Glendale, which is not, like, his jurisdiction. He's now in the city of McMechan. And they're trying to get him to arrest a guy that he has no power to arrest. They're harassing him as an officer now, working in the next town over. Because, and that's what I'm saying, like, if you're an ethical person, like, they can really, like, get rid of you. Mm -hmm. If they run an unethical operation and they see somebody is too, got too much ethics... And, and, that, and that officer told me that, you know, when he, he should have knew something was going on because he, he stopped to help a guy who was broke down on the side of the road. And the guy, like, as soon as he saw him as an officer, was like, oh, I'm really sorry my car broke down here. And, uh, you know, it was like, he was, like, really scared, like, that he was in trouble because his car broke down. Hmm. And he said, that's when I was thinking to myself, like, why is someone afraid to see a police officer stopping to help you? Like, what is going on here? And then, of course, he figured it out. So he totally got out of law enforcement. But I'm like, and that, like I said, that was years ago in Marshall County, but. um
0: Marshall yeah. County, I will have to say, is. I don't know what it's like today. Ten times Hopefully worse. Hopefully they've changed. Than Ohio County that's sad, is. you know. Marshall yes. County is worse than Ohio County is 100%, tenfold. Just, ju- I mean, just as a white person, in my experience, I know that they're just fucking nuts down there, so. Oh, I probably
3: about that? How much time we get though? Yeah.
2: Oh, we have as much time as you
0: want, anytime you want. Yeah, I mean, if we have to,
3: <laughs> this what was we a do rough story. Is
0: we'll split it into two episodes, so don't ever worry about being cut. As long as you guys are willing to stay, we're willing to talk.
3: Oh, unfortunately, I don't have that much time, uh, okay. but <laughs> I do have a, a story. We I took my son, I have a five-year-old son. We went to um, Betty Zane Days over at Martin's Ferry, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're just there, you know, having fun buying our tickets. But I do notice it just seems like folks are really checking me out, but I'm not from Ferry, and I was like, all right, maybe they're just curious as who the new guy is. And uh, I put him on this ride, one of those little, you know, just swings the car around ride, and I'm just you know, I'm sitting there and I noticed that the cops are getting closer and closer to me. and uh, one eventually comes up and asks me for my ID and stuff because he they said I, I fit the description of this guy. And, uh, I was like, well, I I can grab my ID. You know, my son's right here on a ride. And as I'm telling him that it, it was a total, of, I think seven to eight cops. They just came up on me and were like, we need to see your ID right now. And, uh, so I, I give it to them and they're, they're looking at it. But the part that, that was disturbing to me was that, uh, by then my son was off the ride. So a guy I knew was there and he was just kind of keeping him there. Like, all right, wait right here, but he doesn't know what's going on. And, uh. They thought it was really funny. They were just like, you, this is hilarious, man. You look so much like this guy. This is just, it's hilarious. You gotta see this, man. You look just like the guy. And I don't think it ever crossed their mind that that is, that ruins the day. Like I don't, you can't laugh that off. And now I'm gonna be like, yeah, you know, I do look like that guy. And we go on and have fun that day at the Mm -hmm. the Betty Zane days. Mm -hmm. We just kinda, I went home, like you, I can't enjoy myself there anymore after that. And I don't yeah. think they, it ever crossed their mind that, that this mistake or them just rushing to judge, where it could have just been one guy, like one officer could have just walked up because right. I'm like laughing and having a great time and just been like, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you know. Just wondering, he could have just approached it a different way
2: mm-hmm. yeah. instead
3: of bringing all those officers. And
2: it's escalation, like when I worked at the casino, oh, I, no like, I had like de-escalation. I had like no clear. no uh, pepper spray, no handcuffs, no no right to put hands. Like I mean, it's a, I'm a private security person, right? Like no authority anyway. So, but you have to deal with intoxicated people. You have to do all mm-hmm. these things. So, like, how do you do that? And I used to tell my guards, like if I if you hear me on the radio, going to approach somebody, like hang in the back, man, because the last thing that I want, like I'm not intimidating anybody. I can talk to somebody, right. you know, and respectfully say, like, listen, when you're intoxicated, whatever. I just want to take make sure you don't drive, whatever. But if they see, like, guards coming out of nowhere, like, that just ramps it up for no reason. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the years over there, like, yeah, we had to call the cops because there's some people that just, pff, they just want to fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like where are all these de-escalation techniques that i learned for yeah. years See, how to talk to cus- people respectfully I more and fucking
0: like de-escalation techniques from working in customer service than fucking cops <laughs> no it's ridiculous but so that's
2: a big part of it There's no so, the so way many- you're
0: saying about how they're like oh you look like this guy or whatever i watched this show about this guy who was wrongly convicted and he spent like 20 years in jail um and dna was what freed him because they proved that it wasn't this guy and it was this other guy and they showed the two pictures of the guy, the guy that got wrongly convicted and the guy who actually did it. And they were two black men. And they were like, whoa, you can see the mistake because they look extremely similar. And you look at two guys and they don't look anything alike at all. They look nothing alike. And they ask the white cops and they're like, oh, yeah, there's a resemblance. And then they ask other people and they're like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? As people don't look alike at all. Like, this guy's got a widow's peak.
2: This guy doesn't. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding you me? Yeah, but- mis- misidentification is like a big
0: yeah but it's like blatant it's blatant like Jesus but anyway we've dragged on for so long we almost went two hours so that's my bad I apologize no it's all me it was Ron's fault no you
3: guys are good you're (laughs) just so easy to talk to
0: but I thank you guys so much for coming on I absolutely I appreciate your time so much especially (laughs) Jermaine, now that you're chopped liver, I do love you, and I appreciate you being here because you're like the funniest Man, guy I know. It's
1: okay. I have, I've had a lot of wine. You're, so the, far.
0: You <laughs> the, only, you're the only person in this valley. So that anybody I that's listened
1: for the last forty-five minutes, I've been drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
2: I feel like you're the only person in this valley. I Please don't
1: fire to. me if I offended you. <laughs>
2: Actually. do you say so do you have any like re- uh stand coming up like you want to tell people well
1: that? we do extra zero entertainment we do a lot of up around the uh, valley and other uh bar games and events we have nothing planned right now because no. of covid we're, Because of COVID, we're hoping to do our next open mic pretty soon we're talking to our host we're trying to figure it out but uh it's a nice place for people to try out stand-up comedy
2: i'm coming for sure
1: and uh it's gonna be a nice time when we get back up and running. It's gonna be a great time. Is there
2: a website we can tell people to go to? We can you can you
1: can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook under X-Zero.com. xzero dot com. X zero like the
0: island. Yeah. Yeah. Shout, Shout out to, I like to it. The island. I like it. <laughs> it's good stuff. I'm pumped okay. about it. I definitely want to go to the stand up, but um, yeah, I am really appreciative. Uh, I I added Jermaine. I met him through uh, being an asshole on W3F's, uh <laughs> News comments and he's like the only other watching. I was like, Wow, she's ahead. an asshole. I need to find <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I gotta I gotta know her. He's like, Person on there I was like, "Holy shit, another person in the valley who's not literally fucking mentally incapacitated." I gotta add this guy. Like,
1: and I was like, "She's an asshole." I like that.
0: <laughs> so, it was I a making really, right, right. Literally, my profile picture on Facebook is a like fucking me and clown makeup,
2: mm-hmm. which is
0: like I'm all about that. Because people were like, uh, "Yeah, That comment could be you a fucking clown. And I'm like, "What's a clown?" I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> just enrages them more, but. No, for real, I do. I really appreciate your time, and then, Ron Scott. I've heard so many good things about you. Everyone's like, everyone refers to you as local leader, Ron Scott, community leader. Community, well, leader, community community yeah. organizer. Yes, yeah. yeah. you're like, oh, but it disappoints you.
1: Today. But-
3: <laughs> the single voice of the black community. Yes. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. That's too much. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, at the I end, like that guy's
3: stupid. So. He didn't even say anything. Dude. No,
0: no, no. Literally, everyone I know. Maybe it is because you're just like that—that that one black guy they can talk to. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe that's it. I don't know. But everybody I know knows you. And I was like talking about it all week. We're like, man, I'm so nervous. I'm gonna oh, interview no. with my friend Jermaine and his friend Ron Scott. I've heard so much about
2: him. They're like, Ron Scott. I know Roscoe. No way, said famous, your main Though so <laughs> didn't even know it. That's, that's, oh that's my God! Insane. Valley famous, Valley famous. So, <laughs> is there any that... any place that you want to refer people to, like to make donations to a cause or to help out, volunteer? I
3: think if because you know so many people are interested in what they can do now, mm-hmm. I do think that uh, we're starting a campaign at the YWCA called uh, "Change for a 20. and it's because you know the twenty dollars bill was what right, kind of started right, right. this whole thing. Where well, we're trying to take donations to to put them towards scholarships trainings, events, anything we can do to kind of push this cause a little further, kind Absolutely. of extend it until the Monday morning comes and yeah. people are like, all right, yeah. back at it.
2: Until it's not trending anymore. Right. No more Monday mornings. Yeah. We got to yeah. keep it going, man.
0: But
3: they can donate at the YWCA. You can uh, put the CDCOs, the Department of uh, Cultural Diversity and Community Outreach, and we'll We'll do right by you. I'll it, definitely we'll get
0: some links from you and I'll put them on our Twitter page for anybody who wants to do Fantastic. It. Do you have any any thoughts,
2: Mick? Madeline, no. On I'm just time. like super happy. Like this was great. Yeah. I like
1: the point that there's no AC in this room. I know. Sort of Nobody's scared. mentioned that yet. We've been here for... <laughs>
2: We're like two, melting.
0: Two hours.
1: Two and a half hours and I am <laughs> melted. <laughs> All right. I'm well, sorry, North Fed gonna point out, <laughs> I am very moist right now. For the
2: cause, man, for the cause. It's time, yeah. you,
1: it's time to be very uh, uncomfortable, <laughs> but I am very moist right now.
0: are <laughs> right, y'all, well,